welcome to the Cock and Heroes podcast. Uh, everyone would be disappointed if I didn't introduce it as your host, as always, Alan. Um, yeah, so we've been doing the podcasts, um, introducing a review show recently, and we're coming to the end of the year, so we came up with the idea of doing a best of 2018, and then we hope to uh, release the reviews podcast regularly each month. So this will be a way of cleaning the decks for 2018, and then we get started uh, on 2019 with a bit of regularity. Uh, so yeah, we've put together a list of different categories for best of, and I'm going to be discussing it with, I think, our biggest crowd so far. Uh, so, uh, to my right is... Kieran. He is back again after uh, abandoning me for one of the last podcast. <laughs> we missed you. I just yeah, wanted to we see missed you, yeah. I tell you, bullied is, you know, a, a, a small term for Whenever it. Whenever you were gone, Alan bullied us. You know? Oh, <laughs> Recording says otherwise. about you. Oh, they get fed. Of course they get fed. It's Vicky that feeds us. Oh. <laughs> well, just so you know, Alan bought the beers tonight, so, you know, you might want to rephrase that. Uh, so, yeah, to my right is Kieran, also joined by... Keith, nice to hear you again, see you again, be here again. So, Keith's right is... Roddy, so thanks for having me back. So, that's our core team as always, but we're actually going to be joined on a more regular basis tonight by... Vicky. You know, after chirping in last time and uh, talking about her love for Wonder Woman... Amongst the, I mean, you like DC movies, but you don't like DC comics. I just don't get it. Anyway, that's that's for later. We'll, we'll discuss that later. And then we have another <laughs> surprise guest who I introduced at the wrong time there because there was a look of panic on his face because he just took a big Connor, a friend of Keith's who has joined us today. And again, we'll be you know chirping in with little bits and pieces. He did say to us earlier he was very afraid that he doesn't know as much as us, but you know, no one in this room knows as much as Keith, so it's all right. So. Yeah, we're going to jump straight into it. I get the feeling this is going to be a long podcast. We'll probably break it into a couple of um, into a couple of recordings and release it that way. Um, although I do know one or two people who have said even at two and a half hours, our podcasts are not long enough. Uh, <laughs> That's easy for them to say. <laughs> I know. It's all right. Keith's more prepared tonight. He won't be, you know, crying for his bed, hopefully too much. Uh, That's okay. There's a blanket behind him. <laughs> if you hear snoring at one point, don't be surprised from one of us. So, yeah, I'm going to jump straight into the categories anyway. Um, 2018 has been a great year for comics and comic-related content. It's been a big year for the store as well. We obviously facilitated a move into a larger unit. Uh, we have more choice with our titles. We've got a broader range of uh, customers. It, it's been a good year for us, and you know I think that's only possible by it being a great year for comics as well. And not forget our big lot that we bought thanks to everyone that supported us over the year. It's the largest, starkest of back issues in Northern Ireland, so <laughs> they tell me. <laughs> I'll send you that five or later, Kate. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the categories um, we're going to start off with. The first one is actually biggest surprise of the year. Um, now, with this one, I've, I, I sent all the questions early to Roddy, to Keith, to to Kieran, I went through a couple of different people in the store with it and uh, you know there was a real broad range of answers for it I mean biggest surprise of the year I'll actually start with this one because I'm going to shock everybody straight away in this the is podcast. specifically to do with comic books the comic book or comic book related content I mean it could have been like a movie being great that you didn't expect to be great uh, but the biggest surprise of the year for me was how good Marvel's output in comics has been uh, Keith mentioned it before uh, on one of our podcasts about how Marvel just love the number one. They just love rebranding titles, jumping back to the start. Which, as a purist, is not something I like. No, well, well, that's it. I mean, you want to enjoy the history of comics, yeah. and obviously they've been going for such a long time. 80 I mean, years. I mean, this year we got Spider-Man 800. Mm -hmm. We got uh, Daredevil was 600. Mm -hmm. 
We got Captain America 700. Spectacular Spider-Man 300. 300. Um, we also had Action Comics 1000. Um, you know, so we're talking about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> had to slip some DC in there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, with Marvel, they, they, they got it right this year, I think, because as well as introducing number ones, they dual numbered their titles. So they made it very easy. said Legacy, LGY below a number, and then it would say. And... As anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I'm not a big Marvel guy. I'm a DC guy through and through. But this year I thought Marvel did it so well that they actually made it really easy to get into their titles. Mm. Like, I did read Dan Slott's last Spider-Man arc just out of sort of interest because the guy had been writing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But Nick Spencer then jumped on to Spider-Man number, uh, Mason Spider-Man number one. And he's been doing a fantastic job. It's already he really has, yeah. It's, it's one of the top two or three <coughs> Marvel titles for me. I you may know, be talking about it later. I'm sure you yeah, will. I think I'll be talking about it later. Just like I'll be also yeah. talking later about Punisher. Um, the Immortal Hulk series that it was um, Al Ewing has mm-hmm. launched phenomenally great. Yep. Donny Cates has been locked down as a Marvel exclusive. Everything he's done has been great, whether it's Venom, whether it's Web of Venom one-shots, Cosmic, Cosmic Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider, and of course he's gearing up to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Jason Aaron. Yeah, um, Jason Aaron, another one, obviously with you know Thor, with Avengers, Captain America, with yeah. uh, was wasn't Captain America? It's Tan the Hesse. Tan Hesse Coates, yeah, yeah, doing that as well, and those gorgeous, gorgeous Alex Ross covers every time. Oh, and this this month's Captain America is beautiful. It's uh, I mean, it's probably worth mentioning this month that Marvel are doing the uh, the Stanley Memorial. Memorial covers, which are nearly virgin covers, just small print at the bottom, the title. I wonder where they got that the idea from. Well, you know, they, a lot of companies have been doing it for a lot of years. <laughs> but uh, that that Alex Ross cover, that for Captain America 10, isn't it? Yeah. Is just a beaut. And have you all at least opened one Marvel issue so far? Yes. From this week? I Well, yeah, we have. Yeah. Keith, Keith showed us one earlier. Yeah, I just with obviously the black pages at the start. Two black pages and then the picture. The That's a lovely stand. sketch, yeah. And then at the back as well, they've reprinted a stand soapbox box, yeah. as well, yeah. which I thought mm-hmm. was a lovely touch. Um, so, yeah, Marvel have been killing it for me this year, I have to say. Um, See, I'm going to agree with you, but disagree with you. So, oh, dear. I Even agree. when I'm complimenting Marvel, <laughs> he disagrees with me. Well, right I'm, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, but disagree with you in that I I think they're killing it compared to how they've been killing it over the past maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not quite where they should be yet. Uh, I think they're I think we're we're on the path. Definitely but I don't moving think in the right direction. Yeah, they've yeah. they've done a good job this year. What Marvel have lacked in the last couple of years for me is locking down talent. Like um, Scott Snyder's an example. Started at Marvel with Iron Man Noir and then Johnny Storm one shot. DC went, thank you very much, we'll take him. This year, Marvel lost arguably one of their biggest writers of all time, Brian Michael Bendis, went to DC. Uh, Tom King started off at Marvel mm-hmm. with uh, The Vision. Now is arguably, which I'll talk about later, DC's best writer. Um, but they seem to be locking down their talent now. They Chip Zdarsky, yeah. exclusive yeah. contract. Jason Aaron yeah. exclusive and I think, contract. I mean, I think these things go <clears throat> go in cycles. I think, I think what they're the big the big two now. You know what I mean? They they learn from one another, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just the way any industry works. You know what I mean? If someone someone starts a thing, then everybody else catches up. Yeah. Someone else starts a thing, everybody else catches up, and I think that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, how long that lasts? But yeah, I think yeah, I I think there's a, a corner has been turned. Definitely. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I would say. You know, uh, I say this publicly <laughs> that that overall, 
certainly DC started the year stronger than Marvel and throughout the year and last year have been stronger but I think we're now on the on the up again um, definitely okay that's us finished with our best of 2018 <laughs> 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 so yeah so that, that's just myself I mean um, I, again I throw all these questions to all the guys so I mean take it away Karen. for you big um, surprise my, my biggest surprise comic wise um, I we weren't asking brain. about your personal life oh <clears throat> no I uh, I racked my brain trying to think of something surprising there was a lot of surprises throughout the year but the one that sort of stuck with me throughout has been how good action comics is and i feel like every time i'm on the podcast i'm talking about action comics because it when is you're not so talking good. about justice league dark Shh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um no but it's it, it, it I, I didn't care about superman until this year yeah. and now he's one of my favorite characters Ooh. because of how good the writing is uh-huh. in action comics of course, action comics, you know, being taken over by Brian Michael Bendis this year, along with, with Superman. Would you say? Would you say that that's because of Bendis, <coughs> or is, was that pretty Bendis? It is Bendis, because I jumped on leading up to Action One Thousand with um, Oz Effect, wasn't it? The Oz Effect, yeah. just because it was seemed like it was going to be a Doomsday Clock tie-in, and so so I stuck around because it was One Thousand. Then I just didn't get around to canceling it. Mm. So I read Bendis, went shit. This is fun. This yeah. is this is what. Happy accident. Yeah, yeah, it was a happy accident. Does anyone think that Bendis had some sort of input to the Oz effect? With it ending Same with uh, Jor-El taking Jonathan away. Uh, That's ha- Vicky in the background having, making her customary noise. Having read the latest Superman? Yeah. I don't think so. No? No. Because that's it. I haven't read number six yet. Yeah. And I see that Jonathan Kent's on the cover. So And you've excitedly told me that it's a great issue. It is a great issue, yeah. And I, I just wonder, just because, yeah. obviously, his run kicked off with, um, you know, Jor-El's taken Jonathan across the, I the think galaxy. They, I think what maybe they did was they gave Bendis an option. So they, sort of, they cleared yeah. the decks yeah. and went, okay, here you go, here's Superman, do it's what you want to with you him. You know, back in. If you want to, and, he, you know, he has done, uh, and I think that's, a, yeah, so I think that's, that's telling. But mm-hmm. how he's done it is... And what comes from this is a completely different thing. How he uses the character because I I love John Kent. I think he's he's a class character. I think, yeah. and I mean, even before Bendis, I was really enjoying Superman. I enjoyed the whole the whole arc where, and I think this is again a like a, a an older reader legacy thing, where they and I can't the remember Dinosaur Island. No, no. Well, that was awesome was as well. Great, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, No, but it was the it was the it was the continuity thing where they they it turned out that. The Superman who was the post rebirth Superman was, the, you know, the new Fifty Two Superman. You know, the the young, you know, yeah. hip costume, Delio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I would describe T-shirt and jeans as a hip costume. Oh no, no, but that was that was you know, <laughs> but that, you know, the, or sort of the Fifty Two Superman, whatever he was. Yeah. I don't know the young it's guy. One of them. Oh, one right. of the Superman. Yeah, the, the new the new guy. Uh, <laughs> that, that 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 the whole time in the background, our Superman, the Superman who had been resurrected yeah. after the death of Superman, was there. He was. Uh, him and Lois and John had jumped over from from that Earth or that mm-hmm. that universe, and he was in the background. And then whenever uh, Fifty Two Superman died, he took over effectively. And then there was a story I can't remember what it was, in which they sort of they melded them all together. It was just yeah. it was class, you know. It was it was the re- so it, Superman <clears throat> was class before Bendis took over. Yeah, uh, no, it, it, really. it, seem, it seems with Bendis, it's gotten more hopeful and light. Mm, action comics really. especially yeah. and yeah, focuses on the day to day life of Clark yeah. and it's it, it takes it takes the the stories that Superman should be getting and not just dealing with Batman every week 
Which, Although the issue of Fat Man was in was arguably the best one. It was the best one. <laughs> I have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been digging it as well. I mean, if, I think similar to what I was saying about Marvel being good jumping on points with the new creative teams and the new number ones. I mean, we've seen certainly a massive upsurge in the store for pull lists for Superman and Action Comics since Bendis took over. Mm. But um, they started with a new number one. Yeah, as well. oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously just continuing the legacy with 1000 for Action Comics. So... Um, yeah, I can definitely jump on board that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Keith? What was your uh, biggest so for surprise? Me, biggest surprise of the year, comic wise, was um, I think it was a surprise for you as well as a retailer, uh, and I think it was engineered to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Was Robert Kirkman's new book, Die Die Die? Yes. Uh, which was mystery image title. Yeah, the mystery image title <clears throat> that uh, that came out. Um, mm-hmm. That was, I guess, it was literally mystery yeah. title on the invoice, yeah. even. Even two days before it arrived, when we got the paper invoice, yeah. we still didn't know what was arriving. And that was that was class because uh, Kirkman, well known for Invincible, which finished this year, Walking Dead, which is continuing, uh, he just launched his new book. Uh, at that time, it was Oblivion six months Song. ago, Oblivion yeah. Song, and uh, this mystery book turned up that turned out to be by Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Uh, die die die! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Da it's a, I wouldn't say it's quite a throwaway book, but it's a book you can pick up and put down. It's a, um, yeah. Well, he, he even described it, didn't he? As he wanted it to be a throwback to the old comics yeah, where you had no idea what was coming out. Not a clue. And you picked something just bad. Not to a clue. Um, <clears throat> it, it follows uh, four um, identical brothers, quadruplets, uh, all who are variously uh, involved in uh, secret agent type things, whether it's for the American government or whether they've. Uh, retired and are living in um, uh, living in the backwoods somewhere out of the way or whether they're working for an enemy agency or whether they haven't appeared yet um, it's incredibly violent um, in a way that I guess Walking Dead tends to be sometimes uh, Invincible was, it's very visceral um, the, the second issue there was uh, one of the brothers cut off his own nose in order to imitate his, in order to, to step up and imitate his brother um, there's a lot of sort of Arnie type tropes in it, or uh, there's a there's corrupt politicians who mm-hmm. are. It's just it's it's great stuff. It's really as you have said. Uh, I don't know how long it can last because I don't know if it's got longevity in it. Yeah. But I think the fact that it was marketed that way, I think that that guerrilla marketing or lack thereof, I think Kirkman has shown that, you know. Just as we're saying that a writer can be at such a level that they can just throw something yeah. out and people, and people will go, yep, I'll get that because I trust what you've done. It, it's you know just I mean? nice to see Kirkman playing with the comic book industry a little bit. I as think well. he loves it. I think he, he because, loves it. Because, yeah. I mean, he could have stepped away from it five, six years ago easy with the Walking Dead residuals yeah, he gets. Yeah, probably. And yet, in that time, Oblivion Song has a real shot of being his best time uh-huh. because it's fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, Invincible, I personally haven't read, but I know you've read and enjoy the hell out of Walking Dead. I thought Walking Dead was struggling a wee bit this year, but it ended the year in such a See, high. For me, I think a lot of people get the TV and show. We can't talk spoilers, by the way, about that issue. Please don't. Oh <sighs> shit! Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> well, Keith's trade reading. I will rewrite my answers. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I think there goes your of, best I, moment of in the comic book. <laughs> I think a lot of people get. Uh, I mean, I can leave the room whenever you're doing your best uh, moment. Uh, they. Uh, I think a lot of people get get the TV show oh, and, the, and the comic mixed up, and I. Well, that's another question entirely, but but yeah. So I think that the the trust that Kirkman has engendered in the audience, mm-hmm. uh, and also in Image Comics, you know, and also in retailers more specifically, because 
the offer was made to retailers. Do you want this? How many do you want? Yeah. You know what I mean? And you, you know, without even you. So I think it's a pretty. I think it's yeah. It's a good yeah. book. It's a good book. Well, that's definitely a good show yeah. for biggest surprise of the year because we still didn't know even when the delivery arrived. In I was like looking through it for the first time, <clears throat> and I when I first got to it, I was like, I didn't order this. Like I literally had a moment of I didn't, know. and then I checked the box. Like, is this definitely for my store? I was like, yeah, it is. Ah, and then the penny that dropped. Was the mystery. So yeah. And then the other cool thing was the covers. Yeah, which there's there's six or seven different variants in each title, and it's the yeah. same cover, but it's different speech different bubbles. Speech bubbles <laughs> in each one. Yeah. So day 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 was my uh, my uh, biggest, biggest surprise of the year. Perfect. No worries. And then so we will move on then to Ronnie for cool. biggest surprise well, of the year. I have something on that also came out of uh, left field completely, mm-hmm. and it's a new comics publisher. Oh. Um, so it's I know. Fracture Press. Oh well. <laughs> well, that was two, 2017. Um, so <laughs> but yeah, um, so about a couple of weeks ago, even um, there was just some like strange announcement on Twitter, and it was didn't really seem like a big deal. But yeah. um, a company called TKO Studios just seemingly came out of nowhere with all this big name talent, a different idea of how comics should be. Like mm-hmm. their their comics aren't sold in comic stores; you order directly from them. Um, so it's. Uh, TKO Studios and it's the creation of Salvatore Simeone who's the chief executive and co-publisher and then there's also Sei Chun who um, I think he writes for Gotham he's the pub- another co-publisher and producer for comics um, they have like loads of great titles Garth Ennis and it really like to me it just came out of nowhere and all the books look fantastic I haven't read them all yet I've read the first one because they offer up yeah, the first they offer one for up free, the first one for free, which is quite a novel idea. Um, not entirely sure if that's a good or a bad idea, but um, they also have you can buy it as a graphic novel up front, or, or you can issues. buy the six single issues in like a collector's box. Oh, cool! Which yeah. I really love. It's a really different idea. Like it's, I don't know how it affects you in the it's in a comic 50, book story. You know, with but, me, I have to admit because. <clears throat> Some of the titles look fantastic, and I would love to have them on the shelves. But it's big but commitment ma- if you're making it a direct market yeah. is not great for a comic book store because people can just buy direct from the creators. And if you know, it's almost in a way if this takes off and more creators jump on and more creators jump on, then the window, uh, sorry, the selection of titles for stores will get smaller mm. and smaller. Of course, I say all this. I have already ordered the story, yeah. Sarah, <laughs> which is written by Garth Ennis and art by Steve Epton because I just really wanted to read it. But yeah. the other thing yeah. is as well, we're slightly in a less fortuitous position over this side of the world because it all gets shipped from the States. Yeah. yeah. There's no European distribution. Despite so, the books looking, they have a very European, European art style that I absolutely love. That. So it harkens back to like humanoids, that uh-huh. kind of, those kind of publishers like who do like Sanctum and the Meta Baron and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like, Coming from America is not the greatest, but I think 2019 will be the test to see yeah. if they... Because they just came out of the blue and were like, oh, here's some books. Yeah, they, they have so, announced already a second wave of books because yeah. I saw Jeff Lemire writing on Twitter saying proud to be part of the second wave of TKO books. It's a really novel idea. I'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, how it goes in 2019. Like, are they going to make yeah. moves with the stores? I'd like to think with trades, certainly. I mean, yeah. I understand, like, the one I ordered for Sarah is the slipcase edition with six individual issues because I thought that was a really novel idea. But it was $20 shipping straight yeah, away. <laughs> and that's the killer because if you love this title, 
and you're like, right, I've got to get another... Oh, I can't get anywhere else but here. I hope that they release the trades in time to stores anyway, even if this... And then at least you still have that exclusivity of single issues and collectors. and mm. So maybe a best of both yeah. worlds sort of thing. But yeah, it came out of nowhere. I didn't even take it that seriously until I First saw Garth then. Ennis. And I'm yeah. like, oh, new Garth Ennis title. Steve Epting's doing the art on it. Yeah, I got to get this somehow. Because it, it just built. Because it was on, like, it was a few tweets. And, like, everyone was sort of retweeting it. And then, like, a couple of days later, like, the news had picked it up. It was in the news cycle for, like, not just comic comic websites but it was mm. on like new york times and like various other press websites so i hope it goes really well because new publishers we need new publishers you know and there's because there was vaults a few years ago who were doing really good stuff and they're just sort of like <clears throat> on the small indie scale so aftershock's I'm, I'm another excited. example yeah. because i don't know how aftershock sells around the world as a comic label but it doesn't sell great in our store yeah. And yet there's titles there by Garth Ennis. There's a title by Donny Cates called Baby Teeth. Yeah, There's yeah. Francesco Francavia working for them. They've got a great pool of talent working on stuff. Colin Bunn, well, he writes for everybody. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> he writes every comic. But um, they don't seem to sell that well. So maybe making it a bit more niche and exclusive like this is how you Could be the garner the interest. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I'll be curious to see how that goes. As I say, I, I ordered Sarah just blindly because of the talent. So. You know, I'm sure I will pass it around to all of you when it arrives so you don't have to pay the $20 ship. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the first category. You want to throw anything in? Biggest surprises of the year? I have to say Magic Order. Cause Good I, shit. I left it because um, my pile was about 30 issues high. So, just very quickly, Magic Order is a Mark Miller title. Yeah. Uh, written by Mark Miller, art by Olivier Coupel. With a Netflix TV series soon to And it was the first title to have the Netflix branding on the back because of the whole Miller World Mm -hmm. um, assimilation, which we talked about before. So So I went on a binge read last week and I had all five issues. issues? Five Five of six. I read 17 issues in one day uh, because I was like, the store was quite quiet and I managed to get... This is her way of telling me she doesn't work when I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it was my day off, okay? Um... I, so I had all five issues that have been released so far, and I've read the first one, but with work and everything, gets, life gets in the way sometimes, and just, I sat there and read it, and... I got a text. Have yeah. you read Magic Order 5 yet? <laughs> because I needed someone to talk to about it, because like, I hadn't read it up until this point, and I didn't realise how good it had gotten, and yeah. just... It's a beaut. Yeah, it's and a, I, yeah. like... I'm biased against Mark Miller. I read everything that he he writes. Anything, or everything he writes, I read. And um, but this was just something on a completely different level. It's yeah. dark. It's yeah. twisted. It's. It doesn't seem to have the hint, the wink to the audience that most Mark Miller titles have. Now I don't know because I'm only as far as issue three. Yeah, no, you're right. You're but exactly right. But Mark and Miller's a very yeah. good, cool characters, nods and winks to the audiences, quite genre esque writer almost. Mm, well, this is t- I mean, well. I mean, I suppose I could, dis- could disagree. He's written superheroes. He's written Kick-Ass, yeah. which is a superhero without being a superhero. Mm. Uh, he's written fantasy sort of stuff with... Uh, Chrononauts with Sean yeah, Murphy. Yeah, Starlight. And Huck with uh, yeah. Albuquerque. Uh, but this New is title that came out, Prodigy, yeah. which was very good yeah. enough. And that's the thing. Like, Obviously, Mark Miller is always one of the writers. Like, this will probably go later on in the podcast, but like, he's, he's released a few this year, and... Anytime I, I read it, I'm just like, I love his style straight away. And nine times out of ten, it's either Ralph Albuquerque or um, John Romina Jr. on art. And 
see when they're both on art, I love it, and it's nice to see a different artist working with him mm-hmm. and have a different twist on. How it's he... a very painty style. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a wee bit Alex Rossi. It's a wee yeah. bit. Because uh... obviously John Romina Jr., you can see his style straight away, yeah. and it's it's completely different, and it's nice to see that because obviously with the Hit Girl, um, the later the series has gone on, it's Ralph Albuquerque writing it. But it's a different artist, and I'm not so keen on the mm. um, the art style on it, and it's really kind of off-putting me on the series. Like I'm gonna carry on reading it because I'm not gonna stop halfway through the series. I I'm too much a complete completionist. That's where they get us. Yeah, <laughs> and but the art style is just it's throwing me completely. because yeah. it's not the Ralph Albuquerque um, drawing it; it's him writing it this time. So it's completely mm. throwing me off balance with it. But yeah, Magic Order is just. I can't wait until the 9th of January because that's when the last issue comes <coughs> out. Because it's my birthday. <coughs> <laughs> I, I know, I've, got, I've got your birthday, but I've also got Magic Order coming out. King I can just see like that day. You go, happy birthday. And by the way, where's my Magic Order coming? <laughs> it's not just Magic Order. I've got so many titles coming out which are all written by Mark Miller. Right. Because it's Prodigy, Kick-Ass, and just all those ones that he's started but sort of may have handed off to other writers and stuff. Yeah. And it's just I'm looking forward to not only celebrating Alan's birthday, but also <laughs> having my poorness to finish reading Magic Order. It's uh, I mean I I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I um, urban, that urban fantasy, that urban magic, sort of the idea that it's modern day and there's magic as a thing has appealed to me. I love the Jim Butcher's Dresden Files books. Oh, um, there, which I've got the first two trades. Of everything that was released and great, I think if you love Magic Order, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. It's a wee bit more popcorn than than Magic Order, but uh, it's that whole idea of modern wizardry. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, yeah, it's it's just it's great. Magic Order's great, and it's yeah. it, it has that. It's the twist that happened in the yeah. Issue it's the twist, but it's also it's also there's, the there's a certain <laughs> amount of there's a certain amount of visceral violence done with magic. Separate You know, and you know whatever you <laughs> you know the. With with the Harry the Dresden books, one of the first laws of magic is you're not allowed to you can't murder you can't kill people with magic you know mm. and Jesus they're doing that all over the show and the magic order you know what I mean so it's it, it started literally with yeah. like the first couple of pages of issue one so it's just like mm-hmm. I mean they they advertised it or or someone certainly mentioned that it was like it was like the kids from the Harry Potter school growing up and Harry Potter has nothing on this like this <laughs> yeah. is great stuff like when I was telling people about it in balance I said it was Harry Potter meets Goodfellas. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because there's a, there is a, there is an there's element that of mob aspect yeah, yeah, that, that uh, but the mob aspect, and and then there's the, I think with the Dresden uh, connection, for me is the fact that there's this whole world that is going on, the world of magic that normal people don't get. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's so there, it's great, it's fantastic. The 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 visuals are fantastic. It's a great book. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. And uh, other than being here recording with us, what is your biggest surprise of the year? <laughs> Oh, the fear! The fear in his eyes as I asked that question. The fear in his eyes as I said that. Oh, the Batman dance. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. That it was all over every news feed that I had. Uh-huh. And I had to check it out. I'm not a DC fan. It. We'll, we'll we'll get on to this later on with yeah, uh, Batman dance and and with the effect of it, but it's definitely a good shout because. I don't think there was any other comic book this year that entered the mass media as much as that did. No. Like, that was being discussed on, like, Fox News. It was in the New York Times. It was... Was it on the, in the Guardian? It was well? in the... Like, yeah. uh, like, over, obviously, in the UK with their newspapers. It was in the Guardian. 
And it was just like, is this really definitely. all this? But the, what frustrated me about it, and we'll get on to it a bit more later, is that was the perfect opportunity to go second print, here you go, hit while it's hot, which would increase the orders for number two. But DC decided to hide away from the controversy and go and change the digital. Yeah, um, digital was changed day one. Yep. Um, no, you have the embrace of the there. Like, to give you an idea, like, Batman Damned within three days was a £45 comic, and it was a £6 comic on day, on release. You know, I felt bad enough charging people £6 for it, <laughs> and then I see, like, three days later, it was, like, 40 quid. It was, it was weird. And you were still charging? And I kept it yeah, at £6, pound, nice yeah. Beat, if you yeah. pre-ordered it, that's the price you paid. Um, Simple as that. I thought it was, I think we've talked about this before, I thought it was a, I thought, I thought they did it for the sake of Black Label. I thought it was, well, no point. No point in having it up the didn't story. Even it wasn't. Yeah, I know it didn't bother. Yeah, we've talked it about this before, so let's not rehash. Off, but. off the back of reading issue two, I don't think they did. Issue two, I think, sort of made it seem like they planned it from the start and needed something like a shock value. Yeah. And it was building up. That, yes, issue one wasn't a shock value, mm-hmm. but issue two would have been if they didn't backpedal on it. Yeah, because I think you can see clearly in issue two what was going to happen, yeah. or what art or what art was going to be in it that was obviously then sanitized, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, cool. yeah, we only took thirty minutes there over uh, <laughs> the uh, first category, nineteen to go. Um, so we'll we'll move on to the next one, which is best moment in a comic book. Uh, now this this was a tough one, I think, because. Uh, breaking down a specific issue into just one moment where you had that great shock value or that great reveal. Um, I, I thought of several. I thought the ending of Batman issue 60, uh, which anyone who's reading Batman here has read, I presume. Keith, you've read Batman 60, yeah? Have I? Uh, <laughs> it's the end of the Penguin arc. Uh, nope. Oh, oh, for goodness. I didn't talk about it. No, go ahead. No, I, w- I wouldn't do it, honestly, uh, because uh, it is a great Is this moment. your moment? No, 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 it's a different one. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> you could pick any one of a hat full of moments. We'll chat about it next month. We will, we will. You could pick a half, any one of many moments out of uh, White Knight. Uh, I thought the mo- two great moments in Metal Number 6 with uh, Batman punching a Joker dragon. Yes. And also Batman teaming up with a Joker to defeat the Batman who laughs. What I'm going to go with... And the two moments of that comic that I can actually understand. And the <laughs> two moments in the last issue. <laughs> exactly they were both in issue 6 within like 10 pages of each other but the one I came up with um, for me anyway personally that was the best and this will be a recurring theme through this podcast this title for me my favourite moment of the year was Batman locking Rorschach into Arkham Asylum at the end of issue 3 of Doomsday, Doomsday Clock I remember reading it at the time and I just said out loud damn that's cold mm-hmm. and I just and I just had a little look at the issue before we started recording and there was extra little details there, like about, you know, only mad people are here and scratchings into the wall. And yeah. it's just like Batman leads Rorschach into this dark cell with the promise that Ozymandias is there. Yeah. And then just before Batman locks the cell, Rorschach works it out. Although I did think it was an interesting point. Keith said the original Rorschach would have figured it out sooner. Mm-hmm. But it was just the whole issue was built around the idea of Rorschach trusting Batman, letting him read the original Rorschach's diary. Um, Batman was like, you know, clean yourself up, go get a good night's sleep. I'll read through the diary, etc., etc. Playing the long game. Playing the long game, and then at the end of the issue, he's just like, you belong in here because you're clearly insane. Because he'd read the diary. Because he'd read the diary, but you know, is there a more paranoid superhero in comics than Batman? Rorschach. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I said superhero. I don't think Rorschach is a superhero. 
Some people don't even think Batman's a superhero. Yeah. He is a superhero. He's rich. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was... Tony Stark. Tony Stark's in it. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. I definitely didn't mention the corner on your feelings and Tony. <laughs> Triggered. Triggered. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was my favourite moment in a comic book anyway, so... We'll keep the conversation flowing. Uh, yeah. Keep the conversation flowing in the Doomsday Club. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to Kieran then with his best moment in a comic book. Um, yeah, so mine's Doomsday Clock issue 7, so it's it's one of the most recent issues that it's still coming out. Yeah, one of the most recent issues, you had to come out three months ago. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> I had to need to flick through to remember it was only one panel that got me. <laughs> um, but it was from issue, issue 7, it's uh, throughout the issue, it's sort of teasing Dr. Manhattan showing up again. Um, then co- closer to the end of the issue Dr. Manhattan shows up Batman shows up and both of them sort of appear at both times to the rest of the crew so Ozymandias the main marionette Joker things like that um, and basically Dr. Manhattan looks around and he spots Batman Batman knows exactly who it is because of Rorschach's journal but at this stage Dr. Manhattan can't see into the future so he hasn't a clue what's happening he's starting to panic but once he sees Batman he works out I'm fucked he, he just looks at Batman. It's just one panel. It's just Do- Dr. Manhattan's face. And it's just the terror in his face. At Which is at something you'd have never seen before in Watchmen. Yeah. Or... You, you don't expect it because Dr. Manhattan is just locked in and everything that's happening. Yeah. But at this one stage, he's like, I don't know what's happening. I'm shitting myself. Yeah. And it's perfect. And just the reaction of everybody else. There's, there's several panels afterwards. It's just everybody else's reactions. Even the Joker's reaction at one stage. Trying to get put on some clothes. clothes on him. It's just a great, it's a great issue and it's just a great moment of just this big godlike character showing up for the, it's teased out through seven issues yeah, and it just pays off so well in maybe four panels. Awesome. So, Keith, what's your favourite moment in Doomsday? I mean, what's your best moment in the <laughs> So, same as you, I struggled with this one uh, massively. Um, I went through uh, Nightwing's headshot. Uh, I went through... Batman uh, 55 uh, I went through again another Batman moment uh, Batman hitting Commissioner Gordon knocking him, knocking him yeah, down yeah we talked about that uh, one ourselves in uh, <laughs> Walking Dead the moment where Michonne is reunited with her daughter uh, was kind of cool good show uh, the moment in Exterminated where Cable murders Cable uh, was kind of interesting uh, the Sanctuary Massacre the first time you see the First time Superman, especially scenes. the Superman panel yeah, where he's in the exactly. sky and it, yeah. Uh, or from last month, uh, Spider Man Black Cat moment at the end of Amazing Spider Man Ten. But uh, in the end, I think I have to uh, choose a moment from Thor, uh, Mighty Thor seven oh five, uh, which was the death of Jane Foster. Dude, that was mine. Like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few comics I've stuck with in many years. Right, right. Death of right. Well, we can discuss this together then. Right. So, I mean, the, the gist of it is that, uh, I mean, Jason Aaron has been writing Thor now for... Uh, 14 years. Uh, so, what, seven, seven, he's been he's been writing since 2012. Six yeah. years, I think. So yeah. he's been writing seven years. Eight years. Uh, seven Six years. years. I can't count. He's had a few beers. Sorry, he's had a, and, he's, and he's written, I think it's about 100 issues now, Thor. Yeah, yeah. So he's up there with Walt Simonson, the you know the legendary but uh you know he started he started with the god butcher storyline back you know in 2000 yeah exactly it was a great storyline and he's uh jason Norris is a great writer but he introduced uh he introduced jane foster as 
as Thor. Yeah. That was when there was a big storyline of who's going to be the next Thor, wasn't yeah. it? Right, so Jane uh, obviously is dying of cancer and is going through chemotherapy and decided to take up the mantle, even though every time she transformed, it negated her chemotherapy. Oh. Because she believed Heartbreaking. that everybody needed a god thunder. So she, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so the, yeah, the, the lightning from beyond there was, was undoing the chemo mm-hmm. every time. So, she, so ever, as Connor says, every time she transformed into Thor, she was killing herself. Uh, just heartbreaking stuff. But. Um, and initially the story was that you know you didn't know it was Jane Foster there was a who right. is who is this Thor um, so Thor 705 um, I guess this, uh, if I recall uh, and this is this is in, in Arne's most recent sort of Thor series before the reboot again it was one of those Marvel relaunches uh, new number one uh, and Magog who is the he's the god killer uh, he had uh, he had resurfaced again. He'd been it's all part of the upcoming War of the Realms storyline, uh, and the, the Doctor Strange. No one, no one less than Doctor Strange himself had warned Jane right. uh, that if she transformed one more time, she would die. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the the combined might of 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 Thor of Thor. He is no longer Thor. He's the Odin son, and Odin. Could not stop Magog, so Jane does the needful. Um, uh, all of the Asgardians are evacuated, you know, from Asgard. Asgard is more or less destroyed. Just a fantastic, fantastic scene, uh, you know, where, you know, and I guess I guess she had done that the previous issue. So this was this issue was just really her death, you know yeah. what I mean? But it was just beautiful. Was it was it was absolutely fantastic. They'd, they built up this character, you know, um, this handover from the person, you know, the, the Odin son who we've always known as Thor, to, to Jane Foster, and then just this, you know, this this great storyline, uh, including the haters at the start who were all like, Thor can't be a lady. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, and uh, it was just, it was a fantastic storyline, that moment where, you know, yeah, just just, just great, just fantastic, just her, her, her final moments as Thor were just, brilliant. read them. Thor 705. Thor 705. Anything else? No, I mean, at first I was a bit kind of put aback by Thor becoming a woman, but you quickly fall in love with the character and the storyline, and then all of a sudden it's taken from you, and you're kind of just... You just almost think like, ah. that was a response to all the people who said Thor can't be a woman, and then he just <laughs> writes the shit out of it, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you didn't want her as a woman? Boom. <laughs> oh, Dead. Oh no! He's got what he's wanted, and then everyone's like, "No, I was yeah. falling in love with him." Mm-hmm. And that a- was the, I guess that was the issue that whenever she was Thor, she was invincible. It was whenever she transformed back that all the, you know, the good wasn't done. So she had, uh, she had wrapped uh, the chain that once bound the Fenris wolf, uh, and tied that round Magog, and then tied it to Mjolnir, and thrown it into the sun, yeah. in order mm-hmm. to to destroy Magog, or you know, at least uh, you know put an end to Magog's reign on this yeah. occasion. But of course, whenever she was out of contact with the air, changes back to Jane yeah, Foster. Yeah, yeah, so it was just tragic, beautiful, fantastic. Fantastic. Had me had me in tears. Had me in tears. It's interesting you mentioned um, the death of Jane Foster. There was another death in a comic book that I think really affected me this year. Um, you're up the, uh, in terms of trades, I think you've read as far as this in Walking Dead. A certain big character. Oh yes. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You would have read it. Again, I'll say spoilers, and then you know you can skip forward fifteen seconds. 
uh, Death of Andrea. Mm-hmm. And like even at the back of that single issue, Robert Kirkman wrote like a little editorial saying like that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to mm-hmm. write because Andrea had been in the comics, you know, from what issue ten? Was it even know. earlier than that? I think it was earlier than that. Well, she introduced an issue two along with. Well, she was. She was. She was very early. No, she wasn't an issue one. She wasn't sorry, issue, 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 sorry, issue, issue two. Sorry, two is where you were introduced to Laurie. She was in the first and Kyle. Five. She was at least in the yeah. First she was. She was introduced along with her twin sister. And then the thing is, The Walking Dead in the show, I think they got Andrea so wrong, and you couldn't wait to be rid of her. Yeah. But in the comic books here, she was one of the best characters. And there's just one whole issue. It was a double sized issue as well, wasn't it? Was, yeah. it? Called the death of Andrea, and it was it was absolutely heart wrenching. So I'm um, sorry. It's just when you were talking about the death of Jane Foster, it really reminded me of that. And it was a con- it, it's interesting when you're reading the death of a character and you know what's coming. Oh, uh, but you knew what was coming with Jane Foster from the start. Yeah, you knew that every time at some point, you know, yeah. and and then the, the I think the thing that really got it was it was such an earthly thing that killed her. Yeah, it was something that we've all been touched by. You know, it was something, uh-huh. that, you know, and it was just that was just fantastic. You know, her, her, uh, her Thor form fading and her uh, frail human form coming back. You know, um, yeah, just just. Just great, you know, and, and Thor, Odin's son, catching her. Mm-hmm. Just great. Good stuff. Excellent. Good stuff. So, yeah, that's best moment of comic book from Keith, so the, um, Thor 705. And what about yourself, Roddy? Well, when you said about heart-wrenching moments, I was sort of struggling to think of, like, my best moments in comics. So when you were talking there about the heart-wrenching stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know how many people around the table are following Skyward. Might just be you. Read the trail. Um, yeah. I haven't read it yet. Oh, well, uh, well, okay, well, I'll. Pizza's need to okay. pick up it yeah. on. <laughs> That's very kind of you doing that beer for me, Karen. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Roddy. Go ahead, well, go, we can, ahead go ahead. It's fine. Well, no, I won't, I won't spoil anything for you, but um, it's just a very heart wrenching moment in issue number five. Uh-huh. And I. The end I've of the first Absolutely loving this series. I think I picked it up on your recommend yeah. recommendation, wasn't it? Because you were yeah, like, yeah, I was just trying to sit next to my bed. That was yeah. what I was gonna. If I wasn't in the in the podcast, and I, I was gonna sit and read my single issues and hopefully. Oh, I didn't say that. Sorry, sorry, inconvenience. Well, here I can tell you what exactly what happens now. If you and want. it'd almost be like you're sitting reading it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> issue five stuff happens. That's all you need to know. There you go. And go. it's my favorite moment moment of the year. You go go for it. Right. Well, I'll without getting into deep deep spoilers. Um. The, it's like a cliffhanger in issue 5 well I don't so, even know the gist of I was going to say so what, what, is, oh, what would you okay, put down so Skyward is now available as a trade which um, is available so, on Coffee and Heroes uh, it's always on the shelf as far as I'm aware oh, please don't come down tomorrow and then it's not there so but yeah give us a little bit of a gist of the story so there, right? it's a new series by Joe Henderson and the artist is Lee Garbutt uh, it's it's an image title, but I think it's a really inventive image title. Like most it's, image titles. Yeah, they're having a really good year this year. But it's basically, it's about a father, father and daughter relationship. And one day, the gravity on Earth changes and it becomes low G. So that, that sucks a bit. Yes. So... That would make for a bad Some day. very bad stuff happens in the first issue, which mirrors what happens in the fifth issue. Ah. Um, so it starts off with Nate uh, he suffers a very painful loss and he's the father of Willa who's like a young teenage girl and it's a great like it's just a fantastic series I love how like like me talking about it doesn't describe it for you because it's such a visual comic yeah. book 
there's there's long stretches of it there's no dialogue yeah it's just you read it and you just feel like the momentum yeah. in the drawings it's brilliant but um it's it's about like the father's daughter relationship should i say and the father is suffering badly from like pstd and he's stuck in the house after g g day it's called yeah and he doesn't he doesn't want to leave he like he really protect overprotective of his daughter but you know daughters they want to go out and see the world they don't want to listen to their dad exactly and then <laughs> issue five issue five is just like a perfect distillation of the relationship and yeah it's really good please read it i don't want to spoil it Sorry. <laughs> oh, please <laughs> read it so he can talk to you about it okay. <laughs> but we said we said it wasn't a spoiler podcast i'm just gonna say that was my favorite moment yeah there'll be yeah. there will be minor spoilers throughout i think but you know we'll, we'll try to keep them to a minimum um and again i'm gonna ask vicky and our favorite moment of comic book this year it's a weird one to say oh. for you because i know what it's gonna be and it's, I know you can't really say what it is, if that makes sense, but it's the end of an issue as well. Yeah, it's Saga 54. Oh, that's a big one. And I haven't read it, and I know it's a big one, and I don't <laughs> know what happens in it. Yeah. No, I read Because I'm it's 48 not, issues behind. It's not a great moment. <laughs> it's a big moment. It, it's, it's a great moment. moment. Yeah, it's, it's a defining moment. It's a defining moment of good how the comic goes, and it's such to the point that you don't even expect it to happen. And I remember the day this issue came in and Alan was like... And I'd read it that morning. So he knew what was going on. He, he made me a cup of tea, put my tea and the comic on the table. He was like, you need to go read this now. And I, The worst thing that I thought could have happened was that this moment was spoiled. Uh, for I mean, Vicky's been reading Saga since number one in single issues, not just like catching up with trades. Like she's been so reading it for six two, years. Six yeah. years. Yeah. It's and it all culminated far. in this moment and I was determined for her not to have it ruined. And it's by, by far it's one of the best series out there of my reading. Like obviously, I will get on to that bit in a minute. Um, but images, I do. I think they do a fantastic job on comics. Um, see, Brian K. Bourne and Fiona Staples, the way they work together, like you see what happens and you sort of sit there and you go... Did that really fucking happen? Sorry for swearing. If my parents listen to this, I do apologise. But my um, mum, I love my mum listens. To this I show. love your parents, dear, but I do not think they're going to be listening to this podcast. No, but I'm just saying. But like, I sat there and I looked at the page that it happened on, and I was like, no. I I sat there desperately for a couple of seconds, then I carried on reading. <coughs> Because it's not because it's not the very last panel of the book. It's maybe it's, it's, three pages before the end, something yeah. like that. And then you carry on reading, and then they show you it again, and you're just going, "Fuck!" That <laughs> <laughs> I put the comic back in the bag and board. I go back over to Alan. He looks at me. He goes, "Well," and I actually burst into tears <laughs> because. Oof. 54 issues over six years you invest so much into yeah, the characters yeah. that are being portrayed in front of you and like I love the art style but Fiona Staples is just a massive artist and it shows in how with the trades now um, her name is first like right it goes yeah it's around yeah. issue 18 or 19 that like, started no, the co-creators well yeah I mean Brian K. Vaughan's name the writer's name traditionally comes first despite it being such a visual medium but around issue 18, Brian K. Vaughan wrote this editorial saying, 
for me the best thing about this book and I'm not just saying my writing is not good or whatever but the best thing about this book is the art and he mm. switched the names and put Fiona Staples name first that was his decision mm. Like well. the, the the splash pages you get, the first pages you get, it just it basically came a running joke for a while. It was yeah. just like how shocking can the front first page be? Like you look at it and you go, how better can this get? And you just and they just keep doing you it. You just keep reading it, mm. and it's just they carry on getting better and better, and you just mm. you don't expect what happens, and obviously until I explain to you why it happened, in a way, and just for the fact that. I read it and I did physically get upset about mm. it. It was like I can't remember who else was in the store, but like it, like it was Kieran. Yeah, it was, I was there. And I witnessed the whole thing happen. I don't read so again. I knew what was going on. <laughs> and then I got a couple of our regulars who are very good friends of ours, Kyle and Paula, into reading Saga, and they got up to trade eight, and she's like, "I need to know what happens." So I managed to dig out all six of the last six single issues. And we made her sit and read them in front of us. She read them. <laughs> in the store. And she read And then them. she couldn't talk about it because Kyle had to read it. <laughs> but like, Paula and I walked out and she was like, I looked up and I knew the page that she was on by the way her face just dropped for what happened. And it was... It... Obviously, I can't spoil it because I don't want to spoil it because it's such a defining moment within the comics. But if you go and read the pages behind it and why, yeah, it's not that person's story or mm, what that yeah. what that's not part of the story. It's not it all interlinks onto the next part. And obviously, because of that moment, they're taking a year break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They even said they were just exhausted by the storyline and. Six years of obviously releasing a title one a month is an amazing thing to do. Yep. And for them to produce what they do and give us such a great story and great art every month, like, like I'm still heartbroken, like thinking about it. <laughs> but like, I can't wait to get. She may cry here, people. No way. Shut up. But we get them. In the absolute kind of the, uh, the big deluxe editions, deluxe edition. So when I know that it's close to coming back, I'm gonna sit back down and read all fifty four issues, and I'm gonna ha- have the heartbreak again. So original, <laughs> but I want to get myself prepared again to see what mm. happens and where the story goes next. That's interesting because uh, the first the first thing I bought off you guys was the trade of saga, and that's mostly because whenever I walked into the store whenever you were still uh, the small unit uh, I spent so long chatting to Alan that I thought he felt guilty I'd probably better buy something <laughs> even, though, even though he already bought a coffee which is hard <laughs> you know so I bought that first uh, saga trade and I'm glad I didn't I, I, were you I supposed really... to read it in the store? <laughs> no, no, no 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 they've got a wee bit more stringent about reading around in the store yeah. sense <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah so I mean I really enjoyed it and I always intended to get back and, and, and pick up some more because uh, it really was a good book and then I, I sort of got into uh, my own pull list and then Southern Bastards and Deadly Class and yeah. everything else that you, yeah so yeah Saga's one of those ones that you know I build the indie section around there's certain things in the store we will always have every trade of at all times if it sells we order it straight away Walking Dead's one Deadly Class is one Saga's one and Saga's always one that I recommend to people if they're getting into comics because 
everybody loves sci-fi. Everybody loves Star Wars. I always pitch it as Star Wars for adults in terms of world building and all the rest. But but it's not based on superheroes as well. So yeah. Which yeah. is. It, well, that's that. That's one of the other reasons I would recommend it to people because sometimes superhero stuff can be a little bit intimidating. It's like, do I need to know ten years of history for this? Thirty years of history, whatever. Saga is just a clean slate, and the first trade's fantastic. And yeah, I'll I'll admit Saga maybe in sort of the mid forties issues. Not that I was getting bored of it, but it became a bit comfortable. And then what they did in the last couple of issues, it just it reinvigorated it like that. Um, it is a shame that we can't even say out loud the best moments we're talking about when it comes to Roddy well, and I mean, but, I mean, yeah, I but mean, I think that's good yeah. though. Hopefully, yeah. it yeah. inspires yeah. people to I think that, pick yeah. up these books exactly. if they yeah. don't, if they haven't already. Or uh, that's true. But anybody who does yeah. come into the store, if they have read Saga up to date and they want to talk about it, Vicky's here to be your uh, counselor for it because <laughs> she's still dealing with issues on it herself. Um, oh, there we go. 22 minutes for that one. That's less than the 30 for category one. Anything from yourself, Connor? <coughs> well, mine's just Jane Foster, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good shout. Good Stole shout. your thunder there. Oh, oh that's why he's the writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll move on to category three, uh, which is best TV series based on a comic book. Now, I'm actually going <clears> to <throat> throw you back to... I'm going to throw you back to Vicky again for this one because... I originally had my answer to this as Jessica Jones season one because we're so far behind in the Marvel shows, but I watched it this year and loved it. But then she mentioned the show and I thought immediately, I'm going to so steal that answer. At that point, I don't think she was going to be on the podcast, but I'll give her full props for this. And this series is... Happy. Happy. So Happy is, it's an adaptation of a Grant Morrison and uh, Derek Robertson uh, story. It was a four-issue miniseries that came out from Image, I think, five years ago, six years ago. Not quite that long ago, I think, um, I've got the trade here. Well, it's, um, I'm nearly sure it's 2013, but Happy's based around the idea of this, you know, down and out detective, and you're introduced to him, and then at the same time you're introduced to him, there's a spate of kidnappings all over the city, and there's a little girl being kidnapped, and as she's being kidnapped, you see her say, go and get help, and you think she's just talking to herself. But she's actually talking to her imaginary friend, which is a little blue unicorn called Happy. This blue unicorn searches out the cop and tries to get the cop to help to try and save her. It's ridiculously outrageous, funny, surreal. 2012. Um, It's just a ridiculous amount of fun. And when we saw it was being adapted for a TV show, there was a little bit of hesitation. Well, Happy is one of my... Another um, one of my favourite comics, because I've got all four single issues. I've also got the graphic, which has extra content. content, And I've also now got a tattoo of Happy on my right calf. So, Suffice to say she likes it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things, you read it. And when I first heard about it, I was having such a crappy day at work. You're about to find out what a romantic I am here. <laughs> and I got a text. Because Alan had gone on break because we worked together. Alan had went to go and get his pull list. And I've seen this first comic, uh, first issue of Happy. So he texts me in capital letters in quotation marks, I've got something that will make you happy. And and at the time, I was really stressed and busy at work. And I thought, I haven't got time for this. So I left it. I was like, I haven't got time for your comic books. 
I didn't even know it was a comic book at the time. And so it wasn't until we got home that evening that it was like, see, I've got something that makes you happy. And it was the first issue of Happy. And I looked at it and I sat and read it that evening. Um, and I fell in love with it straight away, even though it's so dark and twisted. It has Happy the Blue Unicorn, which is just something that brings light and joy to something that is so dark. And the TV show just brought it all to light. And Nick Sachs, the the um, guy that played him. Uh, Christopher Maloney. He, I wasn't sure about his casting at first, but he is brilliant in this show. He, he brought the character so to life. And um, what's his name? Oh, uh, what's, who does the voice of Happy? Ah, uh, it's Patton Oswalt. And he does the voice so perfect for him, and you can't sort of think of My worry as... with it was that it was only a four-issue miniseries, so how do you get a TV show out of this? And they made it eight episodes, and not only that, but they're gearing up for a season two, which if you've read the graphic, you know, wouldn't maybe necessarily happen. So is the, is the season two going to be original material? Then? Yeah, completely is original. Morrison involved, the good we... thing is Grant Morrison is both a showrunner and a writer on oh, well. He wrote the pilot, and <laughs> in a really funny moment on Twitter wrote, if there are any other TV executives out there who want access to my other work, you know my number. So, <laughs> so he clearly doesn't mind working within the confines of TV. I did. Un- I understand they're uh, developing an Invisibles TV series. I dread to think what that's going to be like. I struggle through that series so much. But and then in the last five issues, it just made sense. But the thing with the the comic, obviously, it goes in one direction, but the TV show goes takes in another it in a different direction. So you, every time you sit down and watch it. You think, okay, I know where this is going, but then it completely just takes a swerve, yeah. and you're just thinking, okay, this is good. I like this. It keeps you interested. It keeps you yeah. wanting to know what happens. All well, the best comic adaptions of TV shows do that. Yeah, and but, this is definitely one of the best. And what gives me a lot of hope as well is it was produced by Sci-Fi, and the same producers are producing uh, the Deadly Class TV show, oh. which again Rick Remender, the writer of the graphic, uh, the comic series, is involved with. He's a showrunner and mm-hmm. he wrote the pilot. The so first shots from that look fantastic. They've even got it advertising in yeah. Times Square. Yeah. Like yeah. they put up this thing like Times Square, can you believe this? And it was Deadly Class posters and I'm just like, I cannot wait for this. Um, I'm just thinking you were, <laughs> you were saying with uh, with Saga, everybody likes sci-fi, but uh, whenever whenever I was I was sort of trying to, to coax my girlfriend into comics, uh, she was like, nope, I went superhero. She was like, nope, sci-fi, nope. Zombies, okay, there's The Walking Dead. Uh, so you don't like, so I went, Deadly Class, there you are. So Walking Dead and Deadly Class. <laughs> Two other great segues in the comics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, final word on Happy, it's on Netflix now. I highly, highly recommend it. Only eight episodes, you will burn through it in a couple of days. I watched uh, the first close. episode a bunch of months ago, need to get back and watch it. Just as I say, you'll burn through it in a couple of days. <laughs> I'm told, no you won't. Uh, so yeah, that was both mine and Vicky's best TV series, best in comic book. Uh, again, I give her full credit for mentioning it before me. Uh, well, we'll move on to Raleigh, uh, your best TV series. Let's so we're gonna we're gonna change it up. up. Oh. It's like jazz. Maybe. <sighs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, simple. I don't want to get into spoilers again, but it's Daredevil season three. Good shit. I thought it was. Let, the... Let's just stop at this moment and say, Karen, what's your favorite TV show based on a comic this year? I just thought it was the perfect distillation of like what Daredevil is about mm-hmm. it's absolute it's like 
And it's also the culmination of the first two well, series. Well, they did a fantastic job in the first two series. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, but quick opinion. Which series is better, one or two? One. I think one. I think one. one. I think two was still brilliant. Bit overstuffed. But it was very, very bleak. And there was hardly... Foggy and Karen were like kind of comedy relief in the first one. And obviously I like them serious too. But yeah. everything was brutal in the second series but all relationships were falling apart yeah which is which is good it's fine which is standard daredevil practice like yeah yeah and yeah. it's the same in season three it's like mm-hmm. wakes up in the night i actually i tend to get wrong. i tend to get uh season two of daredevil and season two of iron fist mixed up because typhoid mary who was in season two of iron fist is technically a daredevil villain so i'm like oh so yeah. I'm, wow. I'm, yeah i'm kind of struggling going what was season two of daredevil again See, season, season three of Daredevil, Daredevil is Punisher. Punisher, of course yeah. it is. Yeah. So season three of Daredevil, I haven't personally got to watch yet. Keith, have you? Uh, one episode. One episode. I'll get back to it. going to wait a couple of months and get, get back to yeah. it. Yeah. I haven't watched any. Kieran hasn't three. watched any of it. Connor? I'm, I'm one episode into all three of the Marvel. Really? Yeah. Like One Jessica three of all different series. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> sick, man. That's Jessica sick. Have you watched the first episode of one series and went oh, I'll go on the next series no no I mean I'm, I'm the first <laughs> the, the same time. one episode of Jessica Jones one episode of Iron Fist one episode of Daredevil okay I am yeah. season one or season two I'm constrained by my wife uh, who also wants to watch them and will not let me you don't need to ahead. listen to this no. podcast and hear you blaming her no but I mean <laughs> that's why I blame her I may just go ahead and watch it and work. you need it you've been wanting to vent this for oh, a while I need to vent it's a good vent yeah, I mean, um, um, Vicky and I are catching up on it as well. We came to the Marvel Party late for shows. Uh, we've watched Daredevil 1 and 2. Welcome to the party, pal. We've watched that. There's that non-Christmas movie, Die Hard. Um, <laughs> we've watched Jessica Jones season 1. We've watched Luke Cage number 1. And we've two episodes left of Luke Cage. Uh, sorry, Iron Fist number 1. So we're still a bit behind. So it's a while before it's, we get the Daredevil three. So it's, it's, I, like, shocking it's hard to, to me, avoid like, spoilers. Yeah. It is. I'm all caught up on everything, but of all... Even just the one episode that I've watched of like the newest ones, Daredevil is the one I'm most excited with. Yeah, yeah. Even two episodes in, but it's because two it's episodes into season three. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, right. so I was I was going your one episode into season one of each. Know, but, okay. <laughs> but I'm most excited about that one purely because of the struggle that he seems to be going through in the first few episodes. Yeah. And it comes off the back of Defenders, doesn't it? Which uh, is yes. best not talked about. But yes. Uh, I got through it. I'm looking forward to Defenders because we haven't watched it yet because oh, yeah. see Iron Fist season 1 I've heard nothing but bad stuff about it I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it too and I'm looking forward to seeing those characters again because Jessica Jones was the biggest surprise to me I thought it was a phenomenal first series I do worry that a lot of that was down to David Tennant uh, when it comes yeah. to season 2 I enjoyed season 2 of Jessica Jones quite well but I'm looking forward to seeing those guys, you know, getting the band back together for Defenders. You know, I've, I've enjoyed Iron Fist. Oh, you'll see. Yeah, you'll see. Excellent. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Knowing nod, Roddy gives it. You'll mm-hmm. see. But then, you know, post Defenders, we've had uh, Luke Cage season two, Iron Fist season two, Daredevil season three, Jessica, Jessica Jones yeah. season two. Okay. Um, yeah, like, well, all canceled for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? I, uh, I'm looking forward to, like, I'm a real big Iron Fist fan, and I'm really looking forward to following up the fight scenes. The choreography in season two of Daredevil of uh, Iron Fist because it's choreographed by the same choreographer from Daredevil is Black Panther. Oh, not Black. Uh, yeah, Black Panther. The Black mm. Panther movie is well, okay. choreographed the fight scenes for the new season. Oh. Of Iron but Fist. what's interesting that I didn't have to carry that you will have to carry is knowing that Iron Fist is cancelled and watching the last episode and going no. 
Is it because you look like Anne Quick, quick, quick question without obviously spoilers, but um, in terms of the season's ending, Luke Cage, is there any sort of denouement to it where it's it makes sense that that's the end of it? Oh no, same with Iron Fist season two, which seems to be killing you. And, and then uh, I ask Roddy, Daredevil season three. I know they had mm-hmm. season four planned, but so, the season three ended away where you're like, I can't wait for the next I, season. I, heard this I cannot season tell you anything. I heard this at the end at a point where they're like, okay, I could end here. Or I could. Or they pitched season on. four to Netflix for Daredevil. They pitched yeah. it. And then Apparently, they had they half the season out. on their wall, all yeah. planned out. I mean, I'll just say. I was looking forward to season four. Yeah, and and I think I think. See, you can't say something. I think maybe Luke Cage season one ended on a more, uh, yeah, moment than season two. You're going, oh, this is going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. End yeah, end yeah. of Iron Fist season two. You're going, oh, yep, looking forward to this. You know what I mean? So it's uh, and Jessica Jones, I think, was the same. So I don't know. I'm not convinced that they will not pick them up again whenever they go to the Disney streaming service. Disney have already said that they're not adverse to the idea of picking yeah. them up. Yeah. But they also, I mean, but the thing about the thing about mm-hmm. uh, the thing about those shows is that they were so well cast. So, I oh mean, yeah. yeah, your man from Daredevil uh, and like especially Charlie Cox, Charlie Cox, fantastic, um, you know, and, yeah. and Vincent D'Onofrio is yep, Fisk, who's back yeah, in third. Just, he was my favorite, like of all the King Friends I've seen just, depicted. Yeah, he agreed. Was so agreed. so good. He's such a uh, such a good method actor. Yeah, yeah. and he's he's so he's just like this quiet threat, yeah. which is exactly what the Kingpin is in the comics. Like he's just this quiet threat. He's a he's a strategist. He's a you know, and he he's just has long, this. He plays the long game, and he does. And and D'Onofrio, whenever he plays him, just has this like rage boiling inside him. You know, this quiet fucking. You know, it's just it's 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 that's what makes him tremendous to watch. He could go off at any minute, yeah, and a lot of people are going to feel it. You know, he'll always just be uh, an Edgar suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got that rage going. Yeah, absolutely. From uh, Men Men in Black. Black. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I mean, I think I think uh, is it Finn Finn Jones? You call him? Is that the guy who played? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. I know. I think he was struggling a wee bit in the first season, but he really picked up Danny Rand in the second season. I think has he really got there. Uh, uh, Luke Cage, the guy who played Luke Cage from the start, was just Cage. He's fantastic. He's got this. Just he's, he's, yeah. He's, he it's obviously knows. His, yeah, it is the yeah. single best episode of any of those Marvel shows. The Luke Cage origin episode. It's a beautiful. It's a class one. Just whenever, whenever you you see the the, 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 the we call it a headpiece. It's a tiara. He has a tiara. Uh, he has the tiara. He has the armbands. He has the yellow shirt. I think that was just that was class. Yeah, but Luke Cage, I just loved that series the whole way through. I do think the first half was stronger than the second half. Though. Agreed. Yeah, I thought Cobb yes. was mouth. a better yeah. Yeah. villain. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you there. The yeah. selling point on <laughs> Luke Cage for me though was the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's a there's a there's a great uh, there's a great playlist on Spotify, yeah. which is all of the Season Marvel one and two, yeah, yeah. as well uh, of all all the Marvel stuff, and it's oh, I think it'll be yeah, updated. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and actually, you can uh, if you yeah, and if you read some of the comics, the Spotify code you can scan it with a, your your phone and just scan the Spotify code. Technology, and, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we use it on our no oil paint cards. At this point, I'd like to throw out there's an awesome Deadly Class playlist on Spotify as well, which Rick Remender actually put together. And it's because Deadly Class is set in the 80s, it's all great 80s music. Um, 
But anyway, we got slightly sidetracked there in the middle of that one as and well. Uh, actually, it? Jason Aaron has a huge like Viking metal oh, yeah? uh, playlist. You know, and fact, well, you know. if you want to go that far, my book, Tales of the Fractured Mind, oh. has playlists for each individual story. Oh, really? Oh. So uh, I'll, I'll link you up to that. No, please do. And then anybody who picks up the, the trade at Coffee and Heroes, I'll pass that on because obviously that's a way to... It's a great way to read, together. yeah. Um, I mean that's it I mean anytime I read I always put music on yeah, but it's usually yeah. mu- it's usually scores like Hans Zimmer scores or stuff yeah. like that I'm a bit I yes. get distracted by lyrics a little bit um, but yeah so that was best TV series based on comic book for um, for Roddy which was Daredevil season 3 and what about yourself Keith uh, so for me uh, I mean I, I loved as we've already discussed the Marvel series um, I was a big fan of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has been picked up for another series as well, which was the original <coughs> Marvel, uh, it's all connected, hashtag, you yeah. know, despite the fact eventually they went, actually, we don't want to know what's happening in the TV series or the movies. Uh, it's, it's actually not all connected. Were, were, they through the half, were they halfway through the first series when Winter Soldier came yeah. out? I think that's exactly what happened, was, was they were halfway through the first series of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think even before it started, the writers had been told, the writers have been told, uh, you know, uh, this is what's going to happen in the Winter Soldier, yeah. uh, and it's coming out. Act accordingly. It's coming out, yeah. So you just get, and, and they just kind of went, well, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> you know, but anyway, uh, all great shows, but, uh, and I mean, there's there's the DC shows, Flash, Arrow, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. Um, Sorry, the, Kieran, he said Legends. The late lamented Constantine. Uh, you know, Are you wanting to make this man crack? Uh, but for me, the Swamp Thing coming soon. Yeah, for me, the best series, best TV series based on the comic book has to be The Walking Dead. Yeah, it has to be. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that, we're now in what season eight? The disapproving look on Vicky's uh, face right now is hilarious. It, it, it well, is. Well, no, there was a this. It's a masterclass from start to finish on how you adapt a comic book to TV. Yeah. Uh, first of all. Robert Kirkman is, you know, as the writer, you know, he's the he's, he's involved in the production team, as we've said with a lot of these stuff. A lot of the, I think TV's getting smart. Yeah, they, they understand that these exactly. people Exactly, well, they are now, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, not, there was a long time that they weren't, you know, the, the Incredible Hulk TV series, great though it was, you know, back in the day, had nothing to do with the comic book. Um, you know, so they're now getting smart, but, right. but, you know, what Kirkman said categorically at the start was that, was that, you know, the comic had already been on the go th- a bunch, a lot of years before the TV show picked up on the TV show. So the comic's been so on the, the go. the TV show start maybe nine years ago, eight years ago? Because yeah, obviously yeah. four it just celebrated in the show. 15th anniversary of the comic. Exactly, so yeah. So it's like five years into the, the it was, Yeah, it was maybe a wee bit longer, but... And the, the TV show's now in eight, season eight, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Nine. So Kirkman had said, if you read the comics, you will, you will still be surprised by yeah. what happened <clears> in the TV show. Uh, things like... Uh, you know the fact that Shane who was about in the TV show for uh, until season three four, seasons yeah. uh, died in issue three or four of the comic two. book yeah uh, shot by Carl yeah as well oh That's brilliant great. yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> Carl. Uh, the fact that Daryl Dixon never existed in the comic books yeah again yeah. going back to what I said before yeah. about Andre being an amazing yeah, character exactly. in the books but um, the there, there were so many changes but they also picked up on the beats and as a as a Walking Dead comic reader you know, and I know the TV show has been up and down. You know, they spent a long time in the farm, 
you know, <laughs> yeah, you know the. It was a great payoff. Yeah, in fairness. Uh, seasons, but, you know, oh, parts of seasons that. are up and down, but you know what I mean. Every TV show is like that. Yeah. Every TV show, you have got a TV show that is about zombies. Suck it up, you're good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's and it's well written and it's well acted. You know what I mean? And it's it's doing exactly what The Walking Dead said it would do. Uh, you know what I mean? But you you see TV, you see parts of the comic books going up, and as a reader, you go, I know what's going to happen here. Cockley, you're sitting back going, yeah. I know what the crack is, and then he does something, you're like, oh no, oh no, no, I, I, I have think no one idea of the best examples on. of that was Negan's introduction, yeah. where yeah. obviously in the comic book, it's very famous that you know it's Glenn who, you know, unfortunately feels <laughs> the wrath of Lucy. But when in the TV show it was uh, Abraham first, wasn't it? Yeah. That I just as soon as as, as soon as he hit Abraham, it's just like. Okay, oh, that's good. all right. Glenn, safe. Glenn, safe. Yeah. And then, um, no. and then suddenly, um, Daryl jumps up and hits him. And he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have to punish you now for attacking me." And then he kills Glenn. Which is so, interesting. Daryl Dixon, who doesn't exist in the comic books, changed the whole fuck. That's the whole thing. Uh, you know, but this, you know, the the so that I mean, for that reason, Walking Dead is just it's it's worth sticking with through yeah, the hard yeah. parts. It's. Uh, he, it's just, definitely it's, a lot to be said. A lovely the most recent um, season has been, and the re- most recent season has yeah. picked up massively. Yeah. Um, and we're now, you know, the the comic book is going is going great guns and a, a really great uh, storyline that Connor and I were discussing earlier. Until you get the latest issue. Well, yeah, I know, and I will, I will. As, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier on, these guys are reading it in singles. I've been reading it in trades since the start. <clears throat> um, you know the, the 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 whole idea of the new Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a really. Uh, they're starting to reflect current um, political feeling yeah. uh, and sort of current issues with class war, class differences, and you know uh, it's really it's really cool stuff. And so. we even discussed this ourselves about <clears throat> what is the end point for Walking Dead? Mm-hmm. Is it the reestablishment of society? Is it curing the zombies? Is it completely eradicating zombies from you know the world? Mm-hmm. What well, is the, is it? All the characters dying and all becoming zombies. It's interesting that we've talked about this quite a lot. Is that over the over both the comic book and the TV series, the zombies have have become changed from they've become they were initially they were the the, the, yeah. the be all and end all, and now they've become an environmental threat. Like, you know, Jesus, don't get stung by a wasp. Yeah, you're really, you're really, you're really stupid if you do that. Embarrassing if one ends up, you know. You'd have to be if a zombie ends up getting you. You've just been really stupid. You know what I mean? But so even that, they turned that on its head with whispers, yeah. and which we'll which really is, look forward I to. I mean, that season. that moment, that, that, you know, that, that was that was possibly one of my best moments. I knew that you know for the last question was I knew that from the comic book show that the whispers were coming. Yeah. But that moment where uh, where the two of them and the TV show had slid down and were hiding, and. Uh, the, the horde of zombies were walking by and you could just hear them going where are they you have to find them don't let them get away and you're like what ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great stuff so yeah Walking Dead for me best uh, best uh, TV adaption this, this season specifically I'd go the whole series and, and you could argue that as much as they've um, deviated from the comic book they've deviated the most in the last few episodes because <laughs> they've time jumped six years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Judith has grown up Rick. so um Rick is gone. Rick is gone. Rick is gone. Of course, um, off to his, <laughs> off to the safety of his three movie picture deal. Um, but this is this is the biggest deviation. Where now I think you know what with what Keith's saying. You know you have no idea what's coming next, and I and I really like that. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, that's Keith's choice for best TV series based on a comic book, which is Walking Dead. 
which uh, we've already ruined what Karen's was. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I've already ruined what Karen's <laughs> was. Confusing everyone. Um, yeah, so as as I've already said, uh, mine, mine's Titans. Fuck that man. Yes, that's specifically one of the reasons why it's Titans. Um, Titans got a bad rap with the first trailer. Titan, like, let, let's just say Titans got a bad rap from the start. Titan, yeah, Titans was it was Titans bad was costumes. It was. Why does Starfire look like a hooker? Yeah. It was fuck Batman. It was. It, it didn't. It was off to a bad start. Let's yeah. just say until the show started, the first season came out. It's almost like flipped. you should wait until yeah, something like starts before something. judging it. But everybody flipped their lids. Everybody that watched it was going insane because of Starfire specifically. Yeah. Because everybody's like, oh shit, she looks like a hooker. This is going to be awful. It. It set the tone. The first episode set the tone for the rest of the season. Everybody sat back and went, okay, we're in. It's dark. It knows what it's doing. It is changing some of the, the main storylines of the DC comics. Yeah. But it's changing them for the better for that, that TV. To suit that universe. style. Yeah. Especially with, I haven't watched the most recent two or three episodes. And neither started to tease Batman versus Robin. Yeah. I know where this is going. Everybody's freaking out because they're doing it again. Where everybody's like, oh look, that, that show's wrong, what, why are they doing that? But it's what Titans did from the start, and nobody's given it a chance to go, okay, yeah, this is working because it does, it makes perfect sense from yeah. if you watch the show. But Titans specifically set up the rest of the DC Universe. Is that the streaming service? Uh, yeah, it's DC the Universe, DC the streaming DC service. Universe. Yeah. It's set up I the DC Universe Doom Patrol. is going to be uh, going yeah. forward, especially with Doom Patrol. The team that I have no knowledge about they've set that up and I'm interested in Doom Patrol yeah. which I can I feel like it's going to be sort of setting up that way where Titans will set up Doom Patrol Doom Patrol will set up Swamp Thing Swamp Thing will set up but Stargirl is next Stargirl uh, the other ones are all animated it's a Harley yeah. Quinn animated show yeah, and talk about that Young <laughs> Justice so is it like the never judge ju- ju- book by its cover yeah basically don't judge don't judge a TV show by a trailer yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, see, it, see, I go back to this as well. I mean, see when that trailer dropped, as shocking as the whole fuck Batman moment was, and as you know, as much as people took the mick out of it and all the rest, it got people talking. Yeah, I mean, it could have just been another generic trailer, not have that line in it, and you would have looked at it and went, "Yeah, mm. that looks alright," and then forgot about well, it. it. Had something, but it, it got it has, people it talking. It had an edge. Yeah. I think, for, I think for me, it wasn't about it wasn't about the edge. It was about the, you know. It was about that's that's not Nightwing. Yeah, but you know I mean, it, it was the that, the, I mean, the show I mean, itself. Get, like you haven't you haven't watched not it at all. You should you should at least give the first episode. It was <clears throat> well. This is it. They're dropping it all on Netflix in January. Eleventh. Yeah. Um, well, then I'll definitely have a look at it. And they're going to drop the entire season. I'm waiting for the that first, as well. The first episode specifically will get you hooked. But to be honest, Kieran's excitement for it actually makes me want to watch it earlier. There's an episode. I think it's episode Seven. five. Five. Is it five? Is five, five is the first it's, introduction of Jason Todd into five or six? Maybe and seven. after Karen watched it, he texted me and it was like, "That's the single best episode of any TV superhero show ever," and that was big damn praise. Ooh. It's it's good. Like as a Jason Todd fan, it's good. But as uh, edgy superhero fan, it's fucking good. I I mean, as Robin goes, Jason Todd's no Tim Drake, but he's alright. Tim Drake's Tim the Drake. worst one. <laughs> Tim Drake can eat a dick. <laughs> Tim Drake is the most boring Robin of them all. He's just a know-it-all. 
He's just a dull, dull character. Jason Todd gets all like, like Batman. Maybe? He gets a he gets a hallway warehouse scene, whatever way you want to look at it. Daredevil oh, hallway nice. or Batman warehouse scene. All oh, right, okay. He's got a good. scene where you're like, yes. All right, I look forward action. to January. I look forward. It's to January. it's a good show, but it it's given me hope for the rest of the DC because that's service. the thing they really did have to get this right because they are because they managed to fuck up all the movies. Yeah, that is <laughs> massively debatable. <laughs> That is me. Aquaman's doing. Aquaman's doing. <laughs> that'll yeah, that'll bring us on to the next question. Yeah. Definitely um, wasn't trying to trigger anybody. Right? <laughs> no, he, he wouldn't do that. He but, wouldn't um, do that. No, it, it's, it's set up the streaming service, and the more I've looked into the streaming service since, I'm hoping it comes here okay. just so I can yeah. subscribe to it. Yeah. Because it seems like it's going to have what? It's going to have pre- previous mo- DC movies, it's going to have digital versions of the comics, it's going to have news, <laughs> it's going to have brand new stuff. Swamp Thing. It's, it's going to have pizza. It's going to have Swamp Thing. I'm a fan and it's going, to, it's going to have some good shows that are leading out of this. Yeah. Especially with Doom Patrol and how it's going to go. Cool. But Titans itself is a genuinely good show as a Teen Titans fan. Awesome. So that's us uh, three categories in. And that's, that's an nice. hour and 20 minutes. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that everybody on TV shows? I believe TV so. Show. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pumped for Daredevil more than anything. Um, and probably for next year, which may not go down well, is the uh, Young Justice uh, third season. season. Why would that not go down well? The first two seasons were awesome. That's just it's just animated. Is it's it because you, you're just hanging around with Keith too long because you wanted to mention something DC? No, I love He gets cartoons. upset about this stuff. I like cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Looking forward to the end of the Spider-Verse? <laughs> I really, really want to see it. Yeah. Spider-Verse, I'm hoping maybe this Sunday, Talk perhaps. Or maybe even a wee, well, I was going to say a Christmas Eve movie, but Christmas Eve's for having a drink or two with a few, few chaps from the store who haven't, you know, left us and went back home. Yeah, well, Keith, I'm looking forward to that one, but I'm going to take Yeah, go and so take your stand. Cool, so, uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of our third category. We'll, uh, we'll stick a pin in it there and uh, be back in a sec after this. Okay, so welcome back to the Coffee and Heroes Best of uh, 2018 show. Uh, before we jump into Category 4, we just need to uh, let Kieran very quickly express his regret that he didn't even think to mention Sabrina as the best TV show uh, based on a comic book this year. Sabrina was fucking great. He's sitting here... Was it based on a comic? Yeah, yeah. Chili yeah. Adventures of Sabrina. I didn't realise it was related. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's actually it's the same, yeah. same showrunner as well, Roberto. Yeah. Yeah. Sabrina is it's fantastic. so good, but Titans <laughs> might be better anyway. So Okay, so I like can edit all of that out as well. No, no, no. Actually, Sabrina's got... Yeah, Sabrina. Fuck it. Okay, so we now have a new one. Sabrina is Kieran's favourite TV series based on a comic book. But anyway, we're going to throw this one in... Obviously, Connor's being good enough to join us uh, tonight. He actually has the nip off soon. But we just wanted to throw this category in before he, he shoots on. So we're going to let him take point on it. Uh, so with this one, it's best comic book movie of 2018. Now, I thought there would be a unanimous vote here that the best movie was Infinity War. I say yes. Yep. yep. Karen says yes. Keith says yes. Roddy's still no, thinking I'm gonna about say, it. I'm going to say yes with a caveat. That's yes with a caveat. How about that? Vicky says No. no. Connor I says mean, a definitive no. Okay. The reason why is because obviously with Infinity War we're finally getting answers to ten years of Marvel Marvel's movies and we're finally getting answers to why the movies have been done the way they've been done. Whereas I think personally Aquaman 
Like, I know a couple of the guys haven't seen it, but it's fun. It's light-hearted. It brings a little bit of joy, and it was just spectacular to see. Like, some of the visual scenes in it were just amazing. And so much so that as soon as the film was finished, I turned to Alan and was like, fuck, that was amazing. I want to sit through you that again. You swear a lot in this, Vicky. I know, I do. <laughs> That's the point of... Uh, when Language. I don't see that Yes. <laughs> but, and I was just like... I said it was it was up there with Wonder Woman. DC needs to stick to the standalone movies. They they can't do like BBS one. extended edition. Shut up. <laughs> like, I'm starting to sound like Stephen though. Jesus. No pause. Bleep out. So so much for me letting Connor run point. <laughs> right. What do you think, Connor? What do you think's best comic book movie of 2018? You uh, can use whatever you know measure you want for it, whether it's most fun, whether it's you know got the best depth to it, the most payoffs. Whatever. What's your movie of the year? Uh, so I kind of agree with Vicky a little bit. Uh, while I love the uh, Avengers movie, it, it had a massive build-up leading to it. But my favorite movie, Sans, having watched, I haven't watched Aquaman or Deadpool two yet. Don't so, you're not so, missing much so, Deadpool two. Uh, don't worry, you'll hear about <laughs> it in the uh, next <laughs> category. Um, it has been for me. Has been Ant Man and the Wasp. It was yeah. an incredibly entertaining movie. Um, it had Luis in it and you can't go wrong there <laughs> and it just all around it was a very fun movie and then obviously the mid credit scene um, where you find out when it actually took place and it was kind of brought, up, brought back yeah. into the extended Marvel Universe yeah uh, it has, it, it's just been one of my favorite ones for the year so it has I agree on Ant-Man the Wasp but yeah. it, it had a very inenviable task of falling Infinity War now and it didn't try to I don't think it tried to not at all I mean yeah. I think that's more yeah. to do with the audience expectations mm-hmm. of this is the first movie after Infinity War and Infinity War I think blew us all away I think that it was you know it somehow bookended those 10 years worth of movies expertly and it left you wanting more you wanted to know what happened next so when another Marvel movie comes out after that Joe Public probably thinks we're going to get answers here. This is the next movie, whereas fans like ourselves were able to go, it's not quite like that. And I thought to myself, how do you follow up a villain like Thanos? Because he was so expertly... If indeed he was a villain. Also, that's another caveat which we'll get on to in a minute. But, you know, how do you follow that up in Ant-Man and the Wasp? And they didn't go for an end of the world story. They didn't go for the city's about to be blown up story. They didn't, you know... I look at Ant-Man and the Wasp really interestingly because if you flip that movie around and the main character is Ghost and Ant-Man and the Wasp are the guys getting in the way of what she needs, it's still a really strong movie. They're just two sets of characters going for the same thing from different ends for different reasons. It's kind of interesting. Ant-Man and the Wasp by itself without the Avengers movies and without the constant references back to Civil War by itself, for me, stands alone as a very good... Uh, let's call it a superhero in quotes. Mm. Movie. And it's a great, it's a great, it's a great it. sequel to Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you could you could watch those two kind of in, uh, you know, set, in, 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 solitary. The thing, yeah, the only thing you need to know obviously is Civil War. Obviously, yeah. Scott Lang was in the prison at the end. So Ant Man Wasp begins where he's got the brace, the ankle bracelet. Yes, and that's, had, but that's literally yeah, as you yeah. say, that's the only Absolutely. thing. Back yeah, you could, you but, could kind of no, I agree, and I think what you're saying about twisting the whole thing around also applies to Infinity War mm-hmm. you know because if you look at it from Thanos' point of view he wants a certain thing 
that he thinks is best for everyone. But he needs Avengers to sort of... kill half the population to achieve it. <laughs> yeah. Ghost doesn't need to kill anybody That's to true. achieve what she needs. She's just in constant pain yeah. and is looking for a cure. And Lawrence Fishburne's character in it, who's sort of like her godfather, you know, he's not an evil guy. It's not like he's some evil professor ever going like, I'll get you what you need. He just wants her pain to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why I thought it worked brilliantly as a movie. It was such it was such a palate cleanser to the series. Yeah, it's a great show. It's yeah. a great show. Of Infinity yeah. War. Lawrence Fishburne and his character still shirk at the idea of Ghost committing atrocities. Let's say yeah. the murder of yeah, because she was almost pushing it too far. Yeah, towards him. she was like, no, 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 there's definitely stuff we can do and whatnot. And she was yeah. driven by her yeah. own pain that he yeah. wasn't feeling. Yeah, and he was yeah. some sort of a at the end, of, you know, maybe a little bit of a conscience figure, moral compass sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I enjoyed it. Brilliant movie, yeah. Man the Lost by. I was I was really surprised by it as well because I thought it would be fun, but I didn't know it would be that good. So um, we just about squeezed Connor's opinion in there. <laughs> um, so he is nipping out on a taxi now. We'll commentate on as he leaves. Keith is up. The hugs are coming in. Uh, we will see him in the store tomorrow, I believe. Um, Everybody's shaking hands. Well, there's People lots of shaking hands. hands. There's waves. Same more, dude. It's a pleasure. Um, <clears throat> it's a good show. Ant-Man yeah. and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp it was, was a great movie. Uh, I it was would... a little surprised because it was like a Saturday afternoon. Just so much fun. Just an absolutely fun yeah. film. But I mean, I think what, what, what as, as someone who appreciates continuity, uh, you know, and loves what Marvel have built in the cinematic universe, I think... It's awesome that you can sort of watch it optionally as a standalone, or you can watch it, it as, part of, as part of the jigsaw. So, and I gotta say, I think that it's going to be probably. I think what we're saying now is that well, I think I think it's gonna. I think Endgame is maybe gonna swivel on what happens. What's uh, Endgame? You mean Infinity War Two? Yeah, as it will forever be known. Well, until <laughs> we we'll watch it. That kind of leads me to my. I don't want to say it's not a problem with Infinity War because my God, it was awesome. Everyone, I think, did we all? Everyone saw it together. We, we sat yeah. next. Everyone saw it together. Uh, we yeah. had a, we had fifteen or sixteen people, sort of a coffee and heroes outing to see it. One of my abiding memories before it actually started was me telling Roddy, "Get your snacks early. Get your snacks early. <laughs> get your snacks early." It'll and then fine. he left until be fifteen fine. minutes before it started. And then he actually texted me. I was in the cinema. He was like, I'm nearly at the front of the queue. Because <laughs> it started yet. The queue first. That's actually long. where we, yeah. you and I were probably introduced. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Good, um, good I mean, Infinity War was... Good times, man. Yeah. Infinity War was just a massive occasion. <laughs> well, what was yeah. your problem? You were, I, you didn't were getting, have, I didn't have a problem. You were, God, no, you were, you were, problem. You were getting around <laughs> you right to your, your... I think you, you all have already explained it because... It's a jigsaw piece. It's the final piece of the jigsaw. You're right. It's like I will agree with it's that. Ten years of the jigsaw, which is awesome. Like I have no problem with that. But like, it's you can't. Half you my can't. Life in yeah. A jigsaw. <laughs> well, you can't. Of Keith's. Like, oh jeez. You can't just rock up to the cinema. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean the biggest the biggest um, you have what 15 movies to watch to lead up to watch but that like if you yeah, movies, yeah, movies if you turn that on there's, its head that's, it's amazing that's round up to about 15 because there's some shade in there because there's probably hold on am I seeing a writer complaining Sorry. about long form storytelling no no I'm actually <laughs> praising it because like what else what else has done this kind of storytelling I almost look at the Marvel movies Nothing. now as a TV show told on a yeah. grand scale yeah 
because it's serialized. You you do need to watch all of it, and that's why to I'm like, fully appreciate. That's why it's not episode. my number one movie of the year. And I think I think you're you're right. I think maybe eventually. Well, I mean, I think I think. Can you watch it without having the reason the I back that be, up straight away? In, in the reason I back that point up of Roddy straight away is because it became a bit of a running joke in the store that Vicky and I had not seen Thor Ragnarok. It's like, have you seen Thor yet? Have you seen Thor yet? And then we started watching them in order leading up to Infinity War. So we only watched Thor Ragnarok maybe a week before we went to see it. And if we hadn't watched Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War opens with Asgard having been destroyed and the mm. ship that um, Thor and Loki were getting away in has been decimated. And the post credit scene of Thor Ragnarok was this giant ship approaching theirs and a massive oh, yeah, shadow right, fall yeah, over. Yeah. So I think if you hadn't seen Thor Ragnarok, you would have been like, why is Thor mm. struggling? Why, why have they been well, attacked? Yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess, yes, it would have been the backstory. But the movie would have started, you would have known who Thor was. Yeah. Because you know well, who You would have said, why is he missing an eye? He missed an eye. New haircut. <laughs> You digs. <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, I'm oh. not debating now. But this this is why awesome it was, this but. is why I've I've sort of I mean when we made our notes for this, I split mine into two. I yeah. said the best movie of the year is Infinity War, and I still think that. But the most entertaining on its own as a standalone for me anyway mm-hmm. was Aquaman. So do you think yeah. therefore that movies the movies now are falling into the same, uh, not trap but difficulty that. That the comic books fall into same pattern almost, which yeah. is that you need to have periodic oh, yeah. jumping on points in oh, yeah. order that yeah, people that's can understand. A really good point. Yeah, you know what I mean well, because you're now you know. Although have... not necessarily because, like you said about Ant Man and the Wasp, like you don't necessarily. Would you say you that's why just... they've split it into phase one, phase two, phase oh, three? Do you yeah. think that's a jumping on point? Like, you're probably I mean, you're kind of a wee bit lost when you're jumping on though. At the start of each phase, as well. What what started phase two? Phase uh, phase Avengers, one ended with the Avengers. Age of Ultron? So f- no, Age of no, Ultron no. was towards yeah. the end of phase two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had Winter then, Soldier in phase two. You had Iron was not Iron Man three that kicked it off. Thor: The Dark was, World. Oh, so yes. you had a PTSD. So you had a Iron really Man. you really so struggled with phase, phase two. Phase bollocks. Is what you're saying? <laughs> it has Winter Soldier. So no. Oh yeah, Guardians got, is in phase two. Good movies, right? And it all well, no, yeah. it's got a reggae good movies. Like, <laughs> like what? Oh, most of. Most, most phase two. Phase two is Iron Man three. Starts bad. Thor. Thor Dark World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets better. Guardians, then it gets great. great with Guardians and Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then Age of Ultron is, is okay. Was there was something else in there, was there not? I don't think there was. Was Ant-Man in phase two? I believe it was. It ended phase two. It ended phase Strange two. At the end of phase two as well, I think. Right. Anyway. Anyway, that's, okay. that's a wee bit too, okay. too early. Too. Right. But yeah, that's it. I mean, it's... Infinity War was so great because it was so rewarding. It was... Yeah. For fans like us who have watched it all the way, who have grown up with these movies, I mean, I talked about this a little bit, you know, in the Batman Begins retrospective I did, which was 13 years ago. You know, I was a totally different person when I started watching these Marvel movies to what I am now. And you think of, like, kids who have grown up watching these movies and getting them more and more. Mm. But yeah, Infinity War is the most rewarding movie of the year. I was on the edge of my seat the whole way through it. I thought anything could happen the whole way through it. I thought no one was safe. Um, like I was just on tender hooks watching it. I think, in some ways, they probably, as you are, are suggesting, and what you're saying is, they probably took a wee bit of a risk with Infinity War, which mm-hmm. was that they knew that you've got to watch all the others before you watch this one. Do you think but, Infinity War but, could have been improved for? But 
someone who hadn't seen it by having a previously on? I don't know. No. I don't know. No, like a Star but, Wars role. But I don't think they need it. I don't think they need it because I think the I think the confidence or maybe cogginess there was that you know what we're pretty sure that everyone that goes into this movie has watched all our movies because we now have the biggest franchise in the world. Yeah, I think it's more confidence than cockiness. Maybe yeah. Honest, and, and likewise, I don't think they needed. A, I don't think that they needed a trailer for for Avengers Endgame. No, I, no, I, I, I hope I, that's it. No, yeah. I hope yeah. that's it. I think trailers nowadays are giving too much away. Um, so for us, anyway, we try not to watch them. We'll watch the first one to get the gist of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then sometimes we feel like we have to keep up with them to to talk with the customers with you guys and other people that come in oh have you seen this have you seen that and then when you say no they're kind of looking at you as if to say why not you're in a comic book store but we want to be we want to go in with knowing very very little like we want to be surprised as much as the Joe Blog going into it Mm -hmm. like and the thing is Infinity War is a great movie there's no doubt about it but like and yeah, like Alan says, I was on like the edge of my seat the whole time for it. And the bit that will always get me is when Groot says at the end, yeah. "I'm Groot." And <laughs> obviously, it, to a normal person, they just think he's saying "I'm Groot." But now it came out after, like a few days afterwards, that it's saying, "Dad, basically help me." Yeah. And it just sort of you go back and watch it again, and you're just like now knowing what that means. You just you get that lump in your throat. You get that tear, that extra tear in your eye. Like you mm. think. I mean, you're you're always you're gonna get added value to anything yeah. by having the backstory. <clears throat> so no one, you know, having watched Marvel movies for ten years, having watched all seventeen movies, that you know that moment where, you know, Steve catches Thanos's fist, and you're going, God, they're gonna die. This is gonna, you know, because you've, you've got that attachment to the characters. Mm. Or the moment where Tony gets stabbed, like he's gonna die, he's gonna die. <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean. Those, you know, whenever you know, so so those moments, you knowing that that those characters are are coming to an end sooner than later. You know what I mean. It was just, you know, so yeah, no, yeah, no, I, yeah. I think um, yeah, whenever you have that, but I I do I think that adds value. But I think the magic of it is, is that it adds value. You already have value from the movie, but those other things add value. Yeah, yeah. it's just like visually, obviously. Um, Infinity War was a visual movie as well but Aquaman just takes it that next level I think some of the scenes when it's going underwater I'm not going to go any more into detail than that and you just see it and like as Alan says see it on the biggest screen possible because yeah. you need to see it like mm. like also Alan said like Spider-Verse you could probably just sit and watch it on the TV at home but Aquaman you need to see it to see from different angles mm. like you're you're not just staring in one spot. You're sta- You're like your eyes are darting around the whole screen because you want to see all the colours, all the the visual points that vibrancy of it. But Aquaman, seeing. Aquaman is also coming from a different place. Yeah, as no, well, I, I, I get that. Because, because underwater. Well, it, it, it's coming. It's coming <laughs> with a different goal. Aquaman has to win back an audience. Yeah, Aquaman oh, has yeah, to. That's very true. You know yeah. what I mean? Infinity War was betting on the fact that it already had the audience. Mm. And it did. It, it, it Infinity War had nothing to prove. Aquaman has everything to prove. Well, that's that's where DC have gone wrong. Yeah. They they've tried to jump ahead and do these team up movies straight away, yeah. when they should have built the characters up. Like Wonder Woman, I I've said it from the get go. It was a strong female character that has in, probably inspired the younger generation to say, 
I'm not a superhero, but I'm powerful. I can I can yeah. be who I want to be. And then you get Aquaman that is on the same par, and I think it's up there. And I, fair enough, Justice League it had its flaws, but I think had they done that in like three or four movies down the line, once they'd done a Flash movie, you've mm, got ba- yeah. you got we're established with Batman, we're established with Superman, but we need the Wonder Woman, the Aquaman, the Flash movies mm. to get them and then have them all like. I think they were. I think DC were too scared not to be Marvel. Yeah, I think that's exactly but I think they need to take a page out of there Marvel's There is book. a very important distinction to be made here. DC are not making these movies. Warner Brothers are making these movies. Marvel have been the smartest, the best run studio because they have full autonomous control over their creations. They created, they didn't at the start, they were co-financed by Paramount and by different companies. But Marvel have their own studio now. They answer to no one. Whereas with DC, the the problem seems to be that like they do something and then Warner Brothers comes in and goes, no, we want Justice League to be two hours. We want it to be brighter and more colourful. That's the what problem. I mean, is that, if that, I mean, that, that's what I see as the problem. Well, I mean, and Marvel have one guy steering the ship who answers to no one. Kevin Feige is an absolute genius. Yeah, and is. everything he's done, he's been able to go, no, we're not doing that, we're doing it this way. So that there's one clear voice, whereas mm-hmm. Justice League alone have at least four or five voices, two different directors, numerous writers. What I love about Aquaman, to bring it back round to this, you can clearly see James Wan had complete control over this. They were like, swing for the fences, do what you want, and he ran with it. And it is visually beautiful, spectacular, adventurous, a little clunky at times, a little bit cliched at times, but it knows it's that kind of movie. It's not trying to be a deep, dark, serious superhero movie. It's like a, Let's bring the joy back to being a hero. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I mean, for me, uh, and it's funny because we, we really haven't <laughs> gone around for the category. I, mean, for, I think we had our Infinity War podcast, didn't we? we did. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, you know, for me, you know, you start, with, you start with Iron Man, and Iron Man, just as we said, has, uh, it's a great movie. You can, you can sit with it, you can start with it, you don't have to know anything, you can watch Iron Man. If you're a comic book fan, you're getting even more out of it because you're going the Mandarin Shield, you know all of these things that, that that's not the Mandarin that all all the regular people are noticing. You know what I mean? And it goes Marvel goes that way right the way through. You know they've built the Infinity War. I mean, what we love to see is our heroes being beaten up and beaten down. So you know because we know they're coming back. You know what I mean? And that's what Infinity War is, and that's why. That's why Infinity War is my choice is because because of the way we all reacted whenever we came out of that movie. Yeah. Which was Silence. We walked out and we were like looking at each other, going what? We need a day or two to what, 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 talk first. You know, it was one of those and it was clear that everybody loved the movie. But what the hell did they just do? The bad guys won. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that takes a certain amount of balls. Well, one of the reasons Aquaman might actually jump ahead for me of Infinity War is that Aquaman is a complete movie. I could, I could make a case that Infinity War is half a movie. Yeah, it's the midpoint. It's well, the darkest it point in the hero's journey. One point, wasn't it? And obviously now they've released a trailer. It's called Endgame, but you could argue the point that it's half a movie, and I think that. And I, I have full confidence that they will stick the landing because these guys are too smart and too good at what they do not to. But 
I would argue you'll only know how good Infinity War is once Endgame comes out. I would With argue it. the same about The Dark Knight versus Batman Begins. Well, definitely. I mean, they're yeah. well. It's a it's a weird case because Batman Begins. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Keith just, <laughs> Keith just sits back in his chair. The thing with Batman Begins is that it's a phenomenal movie and they put a little stinger at the end. But Christopher Nolan has publicly said many times we were making one movie. We had not planned I agree. A I think Batman Begins is the best of the three movies. But, but this is my point. They, they weren't planning a second movie. With Infinity War, that was being shot with the idea of we have a second movie coming. So there's more forward planning in that. The way they link Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, I think is phenomenal. But Christopher Nolan said many times, that was not my intention. I just wanted to make one movie and we'll see how it would go. Whereas with Kevin Feige, he's got like three, he's three, four movies ahead right now. He's like, right, I know what happens in Captain Marvel. I know what happens in Spider-Man Far From Home. I'd love to know what happens. I know what happens in Black Panther 2. (laughs) I know what happens in Doctor Strange 2. You know, he knows what's ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think, and I think that's the key. That's the key. I think having... Having one individual driving, driving all of those movies, at least the spine of those movies, mm-hmm. is, is, is clearly giving creative control to the directors. But he's driving, you know, he's building the spine and the, the connective tissue. Yeah. And I don't think we have that yet in the DC. Oh, definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. I look forward to seeing it because, it, but anyway, we uh, will of course come back and re-record once Keith's seen Aquaman. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what are we saying, Alan and Finn? I Aquaman see just with us talking about it. I'm going to put Aquaman ahead. Alright, okay. And I'm shocked you're, that my you're welcome, Mike. I'm actually I'm actually shocked that I'm saying that because Infinity War was everything I wanted to be. I look forward to seeing it. I'll be interested to see it. And I hate now that you're now gonna go in with expectations. Oh no 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 no. Uh, they're yeah, dangerous yeah, things. Yeah. Not at all. They're in fairness no because well, the greatest part about you went uh, in with expectations. Because I said oh, to you, yes, look, it's right. great. See it on the biggest yeah. screen you can, it's visually see, I, spectacular. I said, when you asked me, I said it was just because where again it was fucking amazing mm-hmm. because that you can't I couldn't express any other words for it. I'm, I'm already going in with expectations because uh, I'm aware of, I, I mean I, Aquaman's on my pull list uh, has been for a long time. Uh, the story's co-written by Jeff Jones as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. But Aquaman has to compete with every hero in the Marvel universe. Yeah, so I can take him on, <laughs> <laughs> except for Winter Soldier. He talks to fish. Just as more. Just, just, just to finish off this best of movies. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. so sorry. So we're gonna say sorry. Quick I'm gonna go Aquaman. It's Infinity War. Infinity War. Infinity War. Aquaman, but also a shout out to Black Panther and, oh, yeah. and I Kill Giants, which I, don't know I haven't watched that yet. But I know the I know the graphic novel. I've actually also, got it. It's it's, a, uh, it's on Netflix as well. Yeah. It's a really oh. good. Just oh. just. Uh, you watching yeah. Yep, absolutely. So you're the you're the deciding vote. Then we've got two Aquaman, two Infinity War. Look at the power right now, emanating from oh. that throne. It'll be Aquaman for me, just because for the standalone movie, the sheer um, visual factor for me. And what I'd also argue as well is. Will a kid enjoy Infinity War as much as Aquaman? No. You take a six-year-old to see Infinity War, you take a six-year-old to see Aquaman. I don't and comics are about all ages. Infinity War, I don't think, is good for a six-year-old no. at this point. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. Dark. Yeah, need, but, uh, That's my point. I need to throw a word. None of us have seen it, but Spider-Man. This is true. I think Spider-Man's probably None of us have seen Spider-Man. But no, but I think, I think what Karen's saying is... Spider-Verse is obviously out in 2018. It's yeah. been ridiculously lauded. 
we personally haven't seen it, so we can't comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hopefully we will see it. Slot up on there for different ones. We'll probably do a wee separate podcast review to that anyway. But um, yeah, just just to completely close off this point, which death affected you most in Infinity War? (laughs) Bucky. Bucky. It's got to be Spider Man. Spidey. Yeah, Spidey. Spidey. Great. Great. There you go. I was just curious. <laughs> just when you started mentioning Groot, I thought that would be an interesting podcast. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go from the best of comic book movies to the worst of comic book movies. Um, so, I mean, the, the main comic book movies that came out this year, I can think of, and you can certainly correct me if I'm wrong on this, you had Black Panther, you had Infinity War, you had Ant-Man and the Wasp, you had... Um, Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2, Venom, Aquaman, Spider-Verse, which of course we haven't seen yet. Throughout uh, I Kill Giants, um, I can't really think of any other even indie based ones yeah, off the top of my head. I can't remember but I can't think of any either. Um, so it's just what would everyone's idea be for worse? Let's start with Keith this time. It's gotta be Deadpool 2. I second that one. Deadpool 2 uh, times 2. Right. So I've never seen it. I've never seen Deadpool 2 or Venom, so I may have to sit this one out. That's nothing but I could second. give an honourable mention to an animated film, Gotham by Gaslight, which I really didn't like. I enjoyed Gotham by Gaslight. Did I did have to look up if Batman Harley Quinn was this year. But <laughs> I did not like that animated like film. So that'll be oh my, my worst. God, but it, like, it wasn't like offensively bad. I loved but, Gotham by Gaslight yeah. the book, and they just ruined it. They just yeah. went, okay. yeah, we know the just, we know just the just, like, we'll make a movie. It's very generic, I thought. Didn't work. Oh, fair enough. I'll leave, so, who was your I'll leave the proper films. For me, it was Venom. Um, and I wrestled between the two of them. Which two? Venom and Deadpool 2. And you know why Venom took it for me? Because there was only one good joke in Venom, but there were two good jokes in Deadpool 2. <laughs> in Venom, so, it was the whole... So, what you watching this then? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously, we'll, we'll chat with everyone. I mean, Deadpool 2 for me was disappointing because... I think it fell victim to the syndrome of Guardians too. I went in with big expectations. Loved the first Deadpool, and I still do. I think yep. the first Deadpool Fantastic. is effortlessly funny, came out of nowhere, confident, wasn't an end-of-the-world scenario. Great movie. Uh, Deadpool 2, I went in with big expectations and just walked out thinking that was just not good. I think and they were just trying to be funny. Every three it. seconds there had to be a joke. Mm-hmm. And... When you've got a comedy, at the like expense that. of the story, I felt. Oh, hundred percent. You know, I mean, can anybody even tell the story of what Deadpool Two was about? Cable was there. <laughs> cable was indeed. Yeah, Cable came back to kill. Uh, what do you call him? The kid that was through fire. Yeah. Oh, Pyro. Uh, Pyro. Yeah. yeah. And juggernaut. Rusty in Collins. And yeah. a badly animated juggernaut in there somewhere. Well, no, big big jump up from our previous juggernaut. Uh, at least he looked realistic because he was a real uh, man. I know, but juggernaut's <laughs> supposed to be like. Massive, yeah. And Terry um, Crews was in it, and oh, I mean, if the glasses are off, uh, if you're gonna bring Terry (laughs) Crews into a superhero movie, you're not gonna watch Jesse Bender, wasn't he? He's still alive in that universe now. (sighs) You kill him five minutes because none of the movie fucking happened. (laughs) But anyway, he went back in time and ruined the so for me, so for me, the the so Deadpool was a Fox movie, yeah, uh, in the X Men universe. Uh, I guess since since Iron Man, uh, the Fox movies have sort of become a wee bit throwaway for me, because to me they're not Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You know they're Fox movies. Uh, obviously with uh, the Fox outside of Days of Future Past, sure. It's enjoyable. It's not a Marvel movie. It's a Fox movie. Uh, the X Men movies for me don't count yeah. until until 
the character appears alongside. I've got one word for you. Uh. Logan. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But again, that's probably but, a standalone. But it's a, it's, a, it's a throwaway. It's a standalone. You know what I mean? So whenever uh, Spider Man appeared in the Marvel movies, I was like, okay, now we're on. Now this yeah. is Spider Man. Yeah. Now I can forget about you know. Although I enjoy the first two Spider Man movies with your man, and the first <laughs> Andrew, and the first Andrew Garfield movie, they're not they're not canon. I'm a yeah. big fan of canons. You know, uh, is this canon now? Yep, it is cool. Now we can. Yep. So, so yeah. So. So yeah, they're throwaway for me, but I enjoyed the first Deadpool. As you said, I was expecting good stuff. And whenever Cable is one of my favorite characters uh, in the X universe, uh, they just screwed him up. Um, he was maybe ten percent Cable, and I don't know what else. What the other ninety percent was? Ninety percent uh, Josh Brolin. <laughs> well, Josh Brolin, who also appeared as Thanos. Like we'd probably you know. seen what two months prior. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, kill. but I wasn't Cable. He just wasn't Cable. You know what I mean? And X Force. The promise of X Force, who are a fantastic well, you team. You spend ten minutes in the movie yeah. setting them up, and then you just kill them for a cheap throwaway joke. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it didn't have anything. And I think, I think the fact that the uh, end credits scene uh, negated the entire movie, just, yeah. just for me, for me, said perfect. It was uh, another that, job in the vault. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but it also negated Green Lantern. Uh, so that's also fine. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Deadpool 2, as I said, for me it had two good jokes in it. One was he even runs like a pedophile. And the other one was when Deadpool's legs were blown off and he had wee tiny feet. <laughs> and he walks across the shake cable's hand. So there was two good jokes. Yep. The reason Venom took worst for me was because it had one good joke. And that was the one, jump out the window. And then he goes, no, and he goes, pussy. <laughs> it's the only good yeah. joke I can think of. Venom was such an uneven movie. Oh, it was... You do, you, do, I mean, I don't know who's who's idea it was to make Venom into a comedy yeah but if you've ever read any Venom it's not a comedy yeah you know what I mean it's it's Venom's a twisted psychopathic character like uh, you know uh, certainly in the period that they were depicting him yeah um, not so much now uh, sort of via years of character development but but yeah that was just I don't know they even advertised the whole movie as the world has enough superheroes and then the whole third act was all about him being a superhero. Well, that was, I mean, that was the no, trick. No, no, it was, Venom, the third act was all about a big blob fitting another big blob. That doesn't make sense. Venom, Venom <laughs> isn't a superhero. He's a, he's a, an anti-hero. He's a vigilante. He's a, he's the lethal protector. Mm-hmm. You know, he's everything that Spider-Man isn't. He will, he doesn't, you know, whenever he, you know, back in the early 90s, the lethal protector series, which introduced Venom as his own character rather than just a, like one of Spider-Man's villains yeah. you know had Venom trying to be the hero you know and that he was you know saving you know people in New York who had been mugged but then he was also eating the mugger's brain yeah uh, <laughs> you know what I mean so that's not exactly how Spider-Man does things uh, but yeah so so that so yeah Venom was not uh, yeah, the, the, the movie did not I mean, and they had all the elements there yeah the they effects, had Tom Hardy the Tom Hardy the, the Tom Hardy not Venom the great yeah, yeah and a great looking <laughs> yeah, Venom as yeah. well you compared the yeah. how Venom looked yeah. in this to Spider-Man 3 but I mean it was there was like a five minute spell in the movie that just summed it up for me and that was you saw Tom Hardy jumping into a fish tank in a restaurant trying to cool down and it was this stupid scene played for laughs and then maybe three four minutes later he's talking to Michelle Williams character and in it, he's saying, like, I'm really scared. I really need help. I need help understanding this. And it was a really serious, pretty good character moment. 
Mm. But it was totally undercut by the stupid comedy they had three I minutes feel, earlier. It almost feels like a movie that was cut to pieces. Yeah. It was 82 minutes long. Yeah. It was, it's just like even when, when your main star is coming out and saying before release, my favourite 40 minutes were cut from this movie. It's not a good sign. Yeah. No. You know, so Venom, and, and it's a weird thing as well because it's made some like eight or nine hundred million worldwide. It's, yeah. it's a great, it's like another Suicide Squad. It's a victory for marketing. Uh-huh. because the movie is not good yeah. um, I don't care you know what people say like that is not Venom to me like similar to what you were saying Vicky what were your thoughts on Deadpool 2 I just, I just didn't enjoy it just, just it was dull as well yeah. it was dull just, yeah. Yeah. Like, ben, like I enjoyed Venom like as a film I enjoyed it like I don't know much about the character so I can't quite reflect on it but I enjoyed it I like Tom Hardy as an actor and I enjoyed it but Deadpool 2, like, like I said, it was just, there had to be a joke every five minutes, uh-huh. just, I just, I just came, I just didn't enjoy it, and I feel like I wasted money to go see it. Yeah, yeah. I saw it twice. <laughs> I saw both of them, both of them twice. <laughs> it's not a good year. Why? I wanted to like them. <laughs> Even the the giveaway that comic. This is the thing. We no longer live in a world now. I think where you have to really try your best to like superhero movies. Yeah, there was a time that superhero movies were not a thing that came out very often. Yeah. Determined to like you them, gotta, to validate what you this. Because yeah, uh-huh. with Venom and Deadpool, I, if Deadpool, I don't really hate as much as Venom. Fucking despise Venom, but I watched the both of them twice out of forcing myself to like them. I saw Infinity War four times in the cinema just because I fucking loved it. Mm. Like that, 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 sh- that shows you the sort of the, the, the ratio of films we've got this year. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, it's even great that we live in a world now where we can discuss what's the best and the worst of the year. Yeah. Because yeah. there's seven, eight, nine, ten movies rather than, well, yeah, a couple well, movies this year. I was going to say, I think 2018 might be the, the year, the golden age of like superhero films. Oh, yeah, or comic book films. I would argue two thousand and eight's the best year, superhero movies for one reason: Dark one, Knight. Dark Knight, Iron and Man. two, Iron Man: Lunch Tomorrow Universe, and Incredible Hulk, and Punisher Warzone. Incredible Hulk for me is massively underrated. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, well. I think there's a few more because I remember talking to my friends about this the other day. Uh, but the other, yeah, enjoyed that. The moment. other two are escaping me now. I think there's two more but um no even with venom coming out of the cinema the first time i was still saying the youtube short film was better than than the it's massive itself. big budget movie this big budget movie with yeah. a great actor yeah this youtube short was better again yeah it had all the elements you know but it didn't use them and deadpool had all the elements and it was bloated yeah. yeah and it didn't use the you know so yeah I think they had all the pieces in place but they just misused them like for both movies fumbled it yeah. yeah I mean my final word on Venom is if you want to see a movie where Tom Hardy is kissing Venom this is your movie because apparently that's how they transfer the symbiote from one person to another which means that uh, his girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend in it um, kissed the dog and that's how she got the symbiote so that's all I'm saying maybe the whole movie is just an allegory <laughs> for STDs <laughs> Still, lo- yeah, still doesn't improve it. I think next, uh, next category, I think we need to move on. <laughs> I think so. I think we need to get back to the comic side of things. Um, yeah. So yeah, the next category was best new series, number one. Um, so this could be anything. I mean, we, we tried to narrow this category down to it has to be a brand new series with no pre-existing one. It can't be a relaunch of a series. That'll actually be the next category. 
Uh, so this one it was a brand new series number one. Let's start on this one with Roddy. Okay, well, very interesting. Um, I'm going to stick to my indie roots, and I will go for a... I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. I'm going to go for a Vault uh, vault comic, which is called These Savage Shores by Ram V, Sumit Kumar, Vittorio Astone, and Adia Bikar. So a lot of talent there. Ram V is a guy that I've been following for a long time and kind of got me into Vault Comics. Mm-hmm. So like Vault, very small publisher, but like what they're doing is pushing the boundaries completely. And yeah, I mean, I'll take another beer if it's gone. But anyway, yeah. Um, okay, so back to these savage shorts. Yeah, enough about <laughs> beer. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so it's just a great series. Um, What's only two issues in this one? Only two book? issues at the moment. I think the third one's out very soon. Hopefully, uh, you can consult previous on that because I know nothing about the previous. I was discussing. <laughs> So let me see. Um, so it's like a vampire series, but it's also about colonialism. And there's a lot of like racism and Indian gods. There's quite a lot to it. I'm trying to do it quiet. You're feeling that was But thank you. So it's it's is it like colonial America or yeah. uh, um, colonial India? Right. So it starts off. Um, Basically, this vampire has been exiled from England, right. sent to the savage shores of India, mm-hmm. and he's set to live out his days there. And it's all about like romance, like politics. But then he's like sent there to suffer, but he almost finds like a new life. And then there's oh, there's okay. stuff about like Indian gods and like the the art is absolutely fantastic, and the colors are just absolutely mind blowing. I've never seen anything like it. Well, that's lovely. Um, How many issues? Just like a gorgeous oil painting. It's two, but it's probably very hard to get because the Vault comics don't do... Is this an ongoing or...? It's a miniseries. So it's just... I love we like small... Everybody's now looking at Alan. Yeah, like, Alan, can (laughs) you get (laughs) on a trade? (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen a Vault. I'm sure they do do trades, but I've never actually seen a Vault trade before in the flesh. Um, but it's definitely a series working. Uh, definitely a series that's worth checking what you're, out. What, what you you're, it? what you're saying to me. The first thing that's that's occurring to me is uh, interview with a vampire, with former, yeah, with former awesome there's... actor Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's just trying Whoa. to trigger me, people. Tom Cruise will always be awesome. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah, you. Okay, okay. <laughs> always. <laughs> but you know that's sort of the idea of the the, the politics and the the, the, the <coughs> long life, the immortal life. And, yeah. You know, ended up going from one place to another and. Yeah, it's cool. a really interesting series and they do they do a lot with like the nine panel structure quite a lot of stuff with the nine panel structure they these share, days Doomsday Clock and Mr. Thing. Miracle yeah. that Batman well. Times Heroes in Crisis oh yeah Heroes in Crisis <clears> as well um, but it's it's just a fantastic series really just it's just like you're thrust into this world that lives and breathes and you're there with them it's really really good I have to say so that's yeah, that's my pick. So basically, once we hit once we hit trade paperbacks and travel Everyone order, in the order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about yourself, Keith? Best new series number one. Uh, so for me, it's I'm definitely on the fence with this one. Um, it's gonna either be Middle West. 
It's almost like you read my mind on that one. Uh, so, in that case, I'm going to go for my other choice, uh, which is Die, uh, which is another... Uh, another great, great issue. Another, another image book, Yeah. Um, which is separate from the other image book, Die, Die, Die. I'm just waiting on a title being announced called Die, Die, Die. die. <laughs> so, uh, Die uh, came out, and I mean, it's... It's very fresh. It was yeah. last two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the second issue. Uh, and it, it, it's day. The, the name, the title, is in reference to the singular of the term dice rather than. That clicked with me when you were speaking about as, it. Until you, got you know, <laughs> as in mortality. It's not German uh, for thee, is it? No, it's no. not German for thee. It's another uh, of Connor's uh, <laughs> shout outs from earlier on. Die, die, die. Da, da, da. <laughs> but uh, so day uh, or die. Um, follows this group of sixteen-year-olds, and it's their uh, the the I guess the the viewpoint character, the point of view character, uh, and his sister go to the house of their friend Saul, if I mm-hmm. recall. Um, they're sixteen, so they're too young to go to a pub. You know, they can't they can't go to the pub, but they're too old for for a cake and and, and, clubs and, 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 and tea and you know kids birthday party so Saul decides he's going to run them a game a role playing game uh, which is something that's really close to my heart uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons style thing and uh, I'll not spoil anything but it's uh, you know it starts off with them playing this game and, and it's in the 80s at this point it's set, it? it's set yeah, yeah I, I think it's I, I think it's set in the 80s or the 90s it's set in England actually interestingly mm. rather than the States mm. uh, and uh, they freeform roll up the characters and for each character that they roll he gives them one of the classic uh, a set of dice in role playing uh, is a four sided dice, a six sided dice, an eight sided dice, ten sided dice, twelve sided dice, and a twenty sided dice. Uh, so as they roll the characters, he goes, "You're the you're the, the you're the D4, meaning the D sided the, the four sided dice. You're the D6, meaning the six sided dice." And then he doesn't roll a character himself; he selects the the D20, which is the twenty sided dice, and it, it sort of cuts there. Something happens. Something happens with the dice. We're not sure what it is. Uh, their mother comes upstairs and again this is very close to my heart from my childhood the mother comes upstairs with coffee for them or, or <laughs> juice uh, and she finds them all gone they're not there and then we cut to 20, think, years, later. 20 years later and they all appear on a road uh, in the lights of a car uh, his sister missing her arm and there one there were six of them there's now five of them and uh, the, the girl who gets out of the car and goes oh my god you're are you guys alright and uh, they're like we don't we don't know, and uh, she says, "Oh, you're the you're the kids that went missing like twenty years ago or whatever it was, and where have you been?" And they were like, "We can't talk about it." Oh and, shit! And then it picks up twenty years after that, whenever they're all in their thirties or their forties, and they still haven't spoken about it, and it goes from there. And it's it's amazing. It's it's such a great because I don't know if any of you remember the Dungeons Dragons TV show yeah. in oh, yeah. the eighties. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was. That was one of my my stalwart shows from from my childhood, uh, and it was interesting. It was it was the Dungeons and Dragons show, and the, the gist of that was that these kids went to the fair and they found hey, it's a Dungeons and Dragons ride, so they got on this uh, this theme park ride, which was clearly uh, within the show an effort to separate it from the nerdiness of the of the of the being a role player, oh, yeah. you know. So it was a ride, and these kids ended up in this world of Dungeons and Dragons where they all took on the character classes, and you know they were trying to get back home. And I, I almost feel without 
knowing exactly what's going on after the first issue, I almost feel like this is that, but grown up and evolved. And uh, and it's fantastic. The art's fantastic. The writing's fantastic. Uh, so my choice for best number one is one that was only a couple of weeks ago, and that's Die Number One, and highly recommended. Awesome, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's Kieran Gillen that writes it. It's, it um, is Kieran Gillen. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's predominantly known for his series Wicked and the Divine, <clears throat> Vintage uh, Comics. Um, he wrote Thor for a while. He wrote Loki. Um, and then the artist actually is uh, Stephanie Hans, and she's actually an artist that specialises in covers. And I remember reading the story. Kieran Gillen reached out to her to do the cover for Die Die Die. Or for die, sorry, singular. Um, Don't get your die, your die, die, die mixed up. How can I do this? Um, but yeah, he reached out to her to do the cover, <clears throat> and she fell in love with the script and went, "I want to draw all of this." That's right. She I has never drawn a sequential yeah, before. She's only done covers. But I just looked it up here as well, and I love. Um, there's a little quote from Karen Gillan. He half jokingly described it as goth Jumanji. Yeah, well, there you are. Which I thought I mean, was very. And good. it's it's interesting because. Whenever Kieran Gillen was writing Thor, he he took Loki as as a key character. At that time, Loki was a child. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kieran Gillen turned Loki on his head, and you know Loki's always been known as the god of lies and mischief, but Loki is also the god of stories, and therefore he was all about the narrative and all about the stories and creating stories to create backgrounds, you know, and this and that and the other. And I think that's exactly what he's. I think that's exactly what he's he's doing here I think Kieran Gillen has a love of uh, the stories and the elements of stories and telling stories within stories mm-hmm. and uh, I think this is just going to be a it's a beautiful looking beautifully written uh, book and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes no big time yeah it was one of the ones I picked up myself as well first week it came out do you have a copy of here? I do indeed. Well, You've described it so well, you want to read it. Oh, I've been hearing good <laughs> things about it that I need to now read Yeah, it. I think I want it to. No, I think that's, that's <laughs> unanimous. <laughs> Die for the win! <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll jump on there now and say what my best new series number one was, just simply because Keith mentioned it quickly there, uh, which is a series called Middle West. And I back you up 100% on that one. That's I will uh, also back you there. So yeah, so Middle West, uh, number one, it only came out November 21st, just a few weeks, issue two just dropped this week. Um, Scotty Young seems to be moving away from the art side of things and going on to being more of a writer now. He's currently writing Deadpool for Marvel, Uh, he's writing Bully Wars for Image, he um, is writing Middle West as well. And the artist on this is a guy called George Corona, but... His sensibility of art style is very similar to Scotty Young. It's not quite as kiddish, I would say, but it's along Definitely, those lines. It feels. I mean, Scotty Young, well known for his uh, yeah, baby Marvel, baby style. Marvel stuff, and his uh, I Hate Fairyland, and yeah, and that. But yeah, <clears throat> George or Jorge, I think he's. Is yeah, Jorge? I think he's a Mexican or so. It could be Jorge uh, Corona. But yeah, he did. For example, he was the artist on Big Trouble Little China, Old Man Jack, which I know is a series that Kieran's enjoyed. Um, Middle West. It sort of came out of nowhere and. As far as first issues go, it was fucking phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, um, it was. It was one of the ones that I had in my reading pile that I binge read last week, and I, I read Magic Water, then I read this, and there's I, a there's a definite uh, connection between the two of them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like blown away by it. Um, just, this is one that you would enjoy, Roddy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, big time. Uh, definitely. <clears throat> the first issue, it doesn't really lead you by the hand. The first issue throws all these elements at you with the confidence of, we're going to explain this down the line. Mm-hmm. So the main story focuses on uh, a young kid 
who lives in a small like trailer park town. It's like a mid, mid Midwest. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Kansas he, or somewhere. Yeah. His mother's not in it. He lives with his father. His father's he he sees his dad as like this drunken abuser, just beats him up, you know, puts him down all the time. I mean, it's we're talking about like this almost kiddish type art style, but these are really adult themes working within yeah, the, it. The violence that they're relating within that that almost cartoonish art is kind of. Then you've got like the fox. Then you've got the a talking fox. fox. What about the fox? So one of his, so one of the his companions is a talking fox. No explanation given. Uh, outside cute. all of the trailer parks, there's these giant vials which look to be filled with this pink liquid. That seem to be pouring things. That seem to be pouring you know, things. You know what it kind of, it kind of, and this is what, what, uh, one of the things that attracted me to it was that it's. I'm a huge fan of Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Stephen King's magnum opus. It's the most fantastic thing that he ever wrote, regardless of what you've ever read of Stephen King. If you haven't read The Dark Tower, you haven't read Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes place in a, an almost a world that is like ours, or parts of ours, or elements of ours, but is just a wee bit slightly to the left mm-hmm. of of our own world. So there's things that you're familiar with, and you can sort of almost reach out and touch them and go, I recognise that, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And this is that. Yeah. This is that. There's you know. There's, there's enough elements of yeah. our world in it that yeah. you can it's see a this is a realistic story. It's a different kind of normal. Yeah. It's a different kind of normal, you know, and it's... Uh, I mean, where, where it's going to jump on to, the end of the first issue, I, I don't want to throw too many spoilers because go into this issue as blank as you can yeah. if you're going to read it. Like, I recommend that the Keith, he was in one day and I'd read it and... You know, we've talked before about it. Like Keith has a pretty damn big pull list. He's he's reading so much stuff that sometimes I almost feel a bit strange. Going like, but you should get this as well. And that's it. And we also, and a lot of things. Uh, I mean, whenever we're, we're podcasting, we sort of argue for the sake of arguing. Yeah. But whenever Alan recommends something to me, I take it fairly seriously and likewise the other yeah. way. Do you know what I mean? So it's oh, 100 percent. And and this was one that I said to him. Look, I'm down to my last copy. Get this issue. It is phenomenal. And I, I showed him my copy and he just had a quick look at the artwork and went, yep, look, sure, I'm Alec, stick in the bag. And within, I think, a few hours, I had a message going, uh, yeah, that goes on the pull list. <laughs> so uh, by the end of the first issue, it looks like it's going to transfer into a bit of a on-the-road type story, like a, a story of discovery with this young boy, the fox is his travelling companion. There's elements of wizardry in it. There's elements to do with weather systems. And I, I, again, I can't yeah. talk too much about yeah. it without ruining stuff. But I really cannot recommend this. So it's a miniseries, or as far as I'm aware, it's going to be a six issue miniseries. Most most image titles start as a miniseries, and then based on the end of the first trade and sales, and if people are interested in the story, they'll continue. Scotty Young to me seems to be becoming a bit of a long form storyteller. I had Fairlands up to twenty issues. Um, His Deadpool run is on about eleven issues. Um, So I this 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 has legs. This first arc. And it was it's interesting because there's a an explanation at the end of the, the book where Scotty Young writes about what inspired him to write it and he he was talking about wizardry, he was talking about magic, and he was brought up in the Midwest, uh, of America, you know, so and he was like, What what does magic look like? You know, whenever all you see around you is corn. You know what I mean? What does magic look like whenever the only guys you see are guys and you know work shirts and dungarees you know what i mean yeah. so so then this is this is exactly this is exactly where this is coming from and i just that's inspired it's incredible stuff and what was great about it as well was it came out the same week as that mm. i actually read them back to back 
mm-hmm. and I just uh, love them both. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's interesting because probably my number one choice, if it hadn't been for last week or two weeks ago, whenever Midwest and Dyke came out, was going to be Farmhand, which is another yeah. image title. Yeah. Oh, another <laughs> Farmhand's fantastic. I've been read all five of them as well, yeah. and just yeah. that, that's a fantastic. Yeah, good. Because it's the same writer for Chew. And it, could, could this be your best new series of the year if, uh, outside of the magic order of course <laughs> no no Billy Wars oh another Scotty Young one which is another Scotty Young one and it just I love Scotty Young's art style anyway like but the, his baby marble stuff or any of his art you only have to look at our uh, living room this is the, also uh... true um, but uh, just like his art style is obviously you can recognise it from any from a distance you can see his like the the features that he does is just fantastic but Billy Wars is based on this kid that was as I would know as in primary school he was a big bully he was he used to bully all the top dog yeah everyone feared him he went into even middle school or secondary school and thinking I can't wait to bust some nerds I'm gonna be king of the castle again but then there's this even bigger bully that is now bullying the bully and it's just um so he has to chat to the nerds that he bullied (laughs) the whole way through primary school and ask for their help for how to survive secondary school and then it becomes like they have to find something to become the ultimate bully so they they don't they can bully anybody and they don't get bullied and it's just (laughs) it's just fantastic the way it's all done and it's up to issue three uh last issue was three yes three so it's it's obviously a mini series it's image again um obviously you probably see the theme of my 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 reading it's all image based a lot of it there is obviously marvel within mind but it's mostly image that i do read um sort of bully wars um middle west and just sort of like magic order all those are just Mm -hmm. yeah really good series i love like they all start out as miniseries, and if they go on, happy days. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, what's great about these little indie series that we're talking about, obviously a lot of them have only just started, these will all be traded, collected, I would say, by March, maybe yeah, April. Yeah. So, you know, if you're liking these stories and you just missed out on the start of them, trades will be along at the start of the year, I would say. Um, Image are great about doing their sort of five, six issue arcs, and then boom, within a month, trade. And they're usually very good with their introductory pricing and stuff as well. So, so if there are certain ones we're chatting about here that do sound great too, and you're maybe worried that you've missed out on, even you could wait for them and trade, and you know they might even read even better. We will see. Well, um, times out of ten, um, the first trade is always nine pounds. She's like nine pounds there. So thereabouts. it's a it's a good sort of price for um starting a new series like Sargrino is nine pound, Deadly Class is nine pound. So it's good to like you can get the first six issues for less than what you would pay yeah, for like the equivalent of 115 issues essentially so it's just some people obviously prefer to collect them as a trade because obviously as Alan puts it a single issue is an episode um, a trade is a box set so and then an omnibus is sort of three or four seasons in in one go like so it depends if you want the feel of a single issue like I know people talk to us about digital comics. I personally have to say I detest that. I like the feel of the paper. I like yep, sort of yeah. seeing all the panels. Like sort of you'll you'll be looking at the start of the page, but your eyes will dart 
Mm. So the next page you're going, no, I need, I need to wait, I need to read this page before I can read that panel. And so you're building the suspense up within your own mind. Whereas with a digital, you have to like scroll and just, I just don't feel like that's... I, uh, I used to use the same argument for books, for, for novels and whenever, and then I switched to Kindle and just realised that uh, I, I can... That, that's different, Well, I it's think. different for comic books, it's, it's a step too it's far for me. It's the visual yeah, as exactly. well, like, you yeah. don't get the same colours effect on a screen because the lighting that you're in can affect it. I know it can affect the comic. But having the physical comment, like I agreed, but I've got my volume two of Wolverine in upstairs, and that goes back to nineteen ninety, I think, and like the smell of the comics as well. It's just that old paper and like sort of seeing the style of the comics how they were done back then, and so sort of, it's like when you get a new like a new bag or something like that, the smell of it, like, but it's a comic smell, and you just get it and you think, man, this is amazing, like so. Sort of, yeah. how sort of the pages hold history and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. couldn't agree you. more yeah. <laughs> anybody uh, anybody yeah. else to do that with? leads us just to Kieran yeah. to round off with <coughs> best new series number one my new series I struggle <laughs> with because I've read so much new <laughs> stuff but the one that's stuck with me is <laughs> being oblivion so Kirkman's new book um, I jumped on this I'm not a big Kirkman reader like I know you mm-hmm. with Invincible and Walking uh, Dead is like one of your no, favorite no, things in the world. Like, I love Walking Dead. Yeah. So I was like, right, well, this is the new big one that Kirkman's writing. I can't miss out on this. Yeah. So it was one of those ones, the first issue I sat down, I was like, right, well, it's Kirkman, need to read this. I need to keep going. I read the first issue and it caught me. I was like, this is great. And it feels like every month that I've read the next issue of Oblivion Song. I'm ready to pick up the next issue. Yeah. Even though obviously I'm absolutely with I'm, you. Yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. Like it's it, it's one of those things where I want to read, sit down, and just read a compendium, uh-huh. because that's how I picked up Walking Dead. Whenever I started reading that, I was just reading issue yeah. after issue after issue, and Oblivion song feels like it's the next big Walking Dead. The 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 world building in Oblivion yeah, is it's, fantastic. It's second only so quickly as well. Yeah, I would say the world building in Oblivion is second only to Lazarus. Which is another invisible title, or another yeah, image title. Sorry, um, great book, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It it's changed. The the first arc is completely different. Was six yeah, issues completely and it's completely black changed. And and, yeah. uh, unbelievable. Was, there was even yeah. the most recent issue that like, going on the spoilers because I know you're a bit behind on issue. Yeah. Basically, the most recent issue I had message you about. Yeah, it. and I've watched it. It's a heist. Totally. Like you don't fucking expect this from Oblivion. Yeah. Song. It's but it's what they're stealing. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like Oblivion song at the start. It's like this strange world that they can sort of dip in and out of that they're trying to save people. Then it, the next arc, it's yeah, completely like backwards. It's fucking yeah. on the run. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes you think great. the whole way through it. It's you, uh, you don't know what the issue seven was. Was one of the best issues I read this year, which yeah. was obviously showing that he caused it. And then him telling the backstory of that mm. that issue was fantastic. It gives you the drive for the protagonist, mm, uh, yeah. or you know, the whole way through he's been he's been the hero, and then suddenly you realise, oh my god, you you did this. This is he's why just you're not you're not driven by being a hero game. or by looking for your brother. You're driven by guilt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it. In the first six issues, he's so driven by finding his brother. He's scratching names off the wall of people he saved. You're thinking, yeah. he's this the is that guy yeah. I can get behind. Then it's like, it's oh, the, by the way. The final panel is him 
Finding out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, the it's, it's the bomb or something. It's like yeah. if now Walking Dead turns around and goes, yeah, Rick caused all the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what it will be. That's yeah, and I, I think maybe there was a wee bit of a play off that. I think, I think there was a play off expectation. I think Kirkman... Uh, yeah, has played has played us very well in that, you know. Uh, and um, the first the first load of issues, it kind of felt like it wasn't gonna last. It was maybe gonna get two three trades in, and then story's done. But now it's starting to feel like it's, it's gonna be an ongoing forward. Quite well, this was I don't know. I know Alan's looking at me because I know he's thinking the same thing I'm thinking. So it's kind of a case of is Walking Dead coming to an end? Yeah. So that he can focus on this series and. That sort of thing. And then the other thing is, and I think we've talked about this previously in the podcast during the year, is, is the fact that the creative process behind Oblivion Song was a wee bit different from mm-hmm. anything else that a comic writer has done. The smartest thing where, ever done. Uh, where Kirkman learned from his time in TV and went, hold on, if we can write TV shows and film TV shows and they can be out every week on time, why can't comic comics, comics yeah. be, be out every month on time? This is, that's so, something that's always surprising yeah. with comics is why do they leave it to the last minute the ship? Well, so yeah, it, it shows <laughs> Kirkman's versatility and understanding of the comic industry this year alone because he had the surprise drop of Die Die Die. Yeah, he yeah. had right. We're launching a new series here, guys. I've already written. Um, the, the artist has already drawn issues, the yeah. first twelve. Lorenzo De Felici. Yeah, yeah. Yes. we're ready Fantastic. to go in the first twelve issues. Here's issue one. Even actually, here's. For here's retailers, here's the first trade. It's a sore point. I know I you never didn't get one. one. Um, <laughs> but even just the fact that with Oblivion Song number one, like Kirkman knows the prestige that's attached to his name now. And The Walking Dead number one is obviously now a, a massive investment issue, worth thousands of pounds, whatever. With Oblivion Song one, he came out and went, we're printing 500,000 issue ones, first prints. Do not panic. You will get a first print of this. Uh-huh. so it's almost but like once they're gone they're gone but once they're gone they're gone but I mean for it, as bad as it sounds for any comic book these days to sell 500,000 copies yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely like you can still find like it's what 10 issues in there I think yeah you can still find the number one first print for cover price because they printed that many because he said mm-hmm. I don't want the same scramble happening like the thing is with the value of Walking Dead number one that doesn't benefit the artists or the creators in any way yeah. you know they want people to read it more of their story unless of course it's DC and Batman Dan um, so he, they did a massive massive first print of this yeah. and said don't panic guys you will get this Yeah, he just understands the I mean, it's, it's yeah. I guess it's what they call um, isn't it disruptive media mm-hmm. you know the, the idea that you have to do something in order to rise above the just the mess of, of media and the, the constant bombardment of social media and uh, news and all this crap you know what mm-hmm. I mean so what you do is you say you know actually this is something that I didn't market at all with die 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 take it or leave it yeah you know which automatically gets people interested because it's not the usual push 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 you know or listen here's a free trade are you going to order yeah. this you know what i mean it's different from the usual marketing so it's, it's disruptive marketing you know it's, yeah um it's a cool way of doing things well, i think that's pretty damn great shout for the yeah. blood song so it launched i think it was february march because yeah, it, yeah. it hasn't skipped the beat like it didn't even take a break for the first trade it just went straight the first trade actually came out the same week same as week issue seven. Because oh, that was that was in the letters page. I've read every letters page for Oblivion Song, and for in the early couple, it was yeah. The, the trades out next week. Next issue's out next week as well. So pick up the next trade on the next yeah. issue. At the same I time. mean, I even get up to date in one day. I even put it on the shelf that way. Like I put issue seven on the rack, and I put the trade behind mm-hmm. the rack. Yeah. Because first issue was March seventh. 
There you go. Keith's got oh. his bullets from the entire year in front of him. So he is the man to consult for the dates. <laughs> Assuming you like the same shit I like. <laughs> Which is nearly everything, so that's all right. Um, cool. So we'll jump away from best new series number one and jump on to one that I couldn't think of a better way to word this. I think it makes sense, but when I said it out loud, it doesn't. Um, so next one is best ongoing series relaunch number one. So the reason I came up with this category is because, as I already stated with the biggest surprise of the year with how good Marvel's output's been, there's been a lot of series this year that have been going for years, but they released in a way where there was a brand new number one. Um, I struggled myself with this category quite a bit because I wanted to include about five different titles. Um, I narrowed it down to two. Uh, I'll, I'll kick off this one. Uh, I narrowed it down to two just edged out was Punisher because I know we've talked about it before and Keith quite enjoyed the War Machine arc yep. of Punisher I didn't I think Punisher should just be street level unless of course he's Cosmic Ghost Rider um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Punisher should be street level dealing with scum and villains who are just at their core bad people and therefore you can accept the gratuitous violence that he's dishing out so I thought Punisher was the best of Marvel's number ones this year. But I can't look past, personally, Green Lantern number one. Yeah, that was my, that um, was my number one as well. So You know, Whoa. I looked forward to this title for months. <laughs> uh, Grant Morrison, as anybody who's listened to the podcast before knows, is yes. possibly my favourite writer of all time. Liam Sharp on art, having come off Brave and the Bold. And Green Lantern, I mean, it's not a character I care about until now because... I'm not even bothered about going back to Blackest Night. Um, like even Jeff Johns couldn't get me into Green Lantern, and Jeff Johns got me into Aquaman. But his Green Lantern run, I'm told, is phenomenal. But I still haven't gone back and read it. Whereas this first issue was bloody phenomenal. Um, beautiful artwork was an origin story without being an origin story. Um, it's set it up in a brilliant way where Hal Jordan had been, you know, kicked out of the Green Lantern Corps. It, it dealt with issues of, you know, I'm used to saving the world in the multiverse and now I'm on Earth. What the hell do I do? So he's bored. He's a drifter. He goes around sleeping with different women. He's looking to fill these um these holes in his life. And I was just blown away by it. Yeah. Artwork, phenomenal. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to tie in the Doomsday Clock. Uh, at some few, point, a few e nods, few there. E yeah. nods, you know, Doctor Manhattan symbol, mm-hmm. um, the idea that someone's tampered with the Library of Oa and you can't trust it. Uh, yeah, I was, I was so happy with this issue. Absolutely blown away by it. Handed it to Vicky to read. She read six pages and went, "Yeah, it's not for me." <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know your mind, um, but no, that's the thing. I mean, no, I mean, you give it a go. It's not for you, and that's fair enough. And normally and it's a weird thing to say you know but maybe psychologically if someone else had written this I wonder if I'd have enjoyed it as much mm. you know I think you give certain comics more leeway if you enjoy a writer Grant Morrison was certainly a draw to this yeah, um, yeah and I think I think it was kind of interesting because just as you're saying there was the, the I think it was a comic of two sides you had uh, Hal Jordan's real life on earth uh, which is fairly fairly mundane and kind of like down and out and kind of 
You're introduced like, to him, I think, lying on a park bench. Yeah. 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 He's, lying, he's, lying, he's lying on the he's lying in the desert. Yeah. And the girl he's with has gone to pick up groceries, and she comes back eight hours later, and she's like, "You're lying in exactly the same spot. Yeah. What are you doing? Just gazing at the stars. Yeah, you know. And then you know they put away the groceries and have sex. Uh, it, you know that's if and and then he's he's out walking. He's he's moving on to somewhere else, and there's not. It's all fairly humdrum. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and then you and even the the, the colors and the the pencils are fairly. Uh, they're lovely. They're lovely. The they are very clean. They reminded yeah. me of Preacher. You know, you know and even yeah, scenes. at one stage, yeah, very pre- very much Preacher, and that would have been my other choice for great uh, TV so- series comic adaptation. Yeah, um, I forgot about another one. But <laughs> but uh, but I mean, uh, the, the, then there's a point where he's, he ends up fighting these these bombs who turn out to be uh, like a hive alien in yeah. the desert, and the, and just to just to play up the humdrumness of it you know these two this couple drive past in an old car and the husband's like that's a bum fight <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and it's you know but then you, you juxtapose that with then whenever he's called to Oa or new Oa as the case may be because I yeah. guess old Oa yeah. has been destroyed possibly um, or no, some no one reads that book yeah <laughs> that's uh, you know what I mean and the colours and the, the shapes you know are very almost I would I would consider it Kirby-esque yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely throw back you yeah, know, the, the, classic you know, the fourth world and the Eternals and stuff, you know, and that that's a complete juxtaposition to the the normality and the humdrumness of what was mm-hmm. going on on Earth, you know. So I think that's that's really interesting, you know. And then you add in that uh, Grant Morrison is clearly always an acid. So yeah, uh, <laughs> we all aspire to be like Grant Morrison, you know, his headspace because that man clearly understands the world in a way we never will. I don't know if I ever want to. No, but this is, this is the reason I'm so intrigued by Grant Morrison. I go back to this every time. Like I will say to people, listen to this podcast that Kevin Smith does called Fat Man on Batman. It's great. And he interviewed Grant Morrison three times. And Grant Morrison starts telling these stories of how he went to Nepal and he was told if he could climb this staircase without taking a breath, you know, he would get enlightenment. And he starts talking about all this shit about higher powers and aliens who spoke to him and the thing is from anybody else this is complete another tripe but because he's such a great storyteller you're like i believe you <laughs> you know <laughs> so i thing. think that says more about you than it does about grant morrison <laughs> maybe, maybe it, it does, does say grant morrison's on acid it says can i suggest you never go near a cult he's just such a captivating <laughs> storyteller it's, i love super gods the book that he wrote yeah absolutely fantastic which is about the history of uh superheroes and where they came from within our social consciousness and their you know uh, anthropologically speaking and it's great stuff and there is a wee point where you go that's where he took the acid uh, you know uh, and I, I love his stuff I love Animal Man mm-hmm. his run on Animal Man was fantastic yeah. again there's a wee bit of an acid trip in there um, Metal number six same uh, but he's definitely a draw to this book but, yeah, but there's also definitely a weirdness to it. There's there's a real weirdness. Oh, to it. I mean, you. But I mean, like that that weirdness is the attraction. Oh, yeah. like Green, that's Green Lantern to me is like yeah, the kind of weird. Have you read issue two? No, no, yeah. yeah. Oh well, there's something given away. It's on the cover of issue yeah. two, but there's a character, there's a Green Lantern who has a volcano for a head. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. <laughs> and he's one of the best characters. Yeah. He's, on the, he's on the cover. It's not just yeah. a volcano. It's an active exploding volcano for yeah. him. And he apparently sounds like tree beer. And he's oh, like, yeah. it's yeah. just again it's it's one of the reasons we read comic books is the pure imagination yeah. mm-hmm. and I think you always know 
like if you handed someone Greenlander number one and you crossed out who the writer was I think you'd figure it out I love Greenlander uh, I that, mostly uh, enjoy Grant Morris comic books that. I am not going to follow him up a mountain holding my breath <laughs> maybe that's the problem <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's definitely caused me to look into what the best Greenlander stories would be I think that's the skill of any writer like that because you know I may go back at some point now and read more Greenlander because of this but before it was a character outside of you know coming into Justice League like seeing the Greenlander movie came out and yes it turned out to be a dud and a turkey and all the rest but I had no expectation because I was like there's a character I don't really know about like even with Aquaman I was looking forward to it because I love Jeff John's new 52 run but I just never got into Greenlander but this this is phenomenal. This is yeah. this is just important. Because I've been looking into Blackest Night, which was a big DC yeah. Green Lantern event. I've been looking into that and stuff, and it's it's starting to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that was my choice for best ongoing series relaunch number one. Am uh-huh. I correct in saying <laughs> this was also Roddy's yeah, choice? Yeah, We're yeah. ratcheting through this. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Fantastic. Um, look at it. Look at so, it. Well, let's jump on then to flying by. Let's jump on the Karen then best ongoing series relaunch my number one. Series surprise. Surprise, surprise. It's Green Lantern. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mine's was a toss-up at one stage, and then I was like, what the fuck am I insane? I've already spoke about one of them action comics. <laughs> Justice League Dark. I knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised it took you a combined total of one hour, sorry, two hours <laughs> and 42 minutes to mention Justice oh League Dark. Justice League Dark. Because I'm two issues behind. Really. No, I'm one issue behind. <laughs> I'm two issues, but I'm one issue behind because I'm bad variants. Oh. Um, but no, it, it's it's been the one that I've been pushing all year. I feel like since it came out, it's your deadly class. It is my deadly class, and I'm up to date with this and nothing. <laughs> but it feels like everybody that I speak to, I'm like, give it go, just fucking read it. <laughs> well, it's it's clearly working to a degree because in terms of pull lists, it's literally two issues behind in numbers to Justice League by Scott Snyder. Mm, well, so yeah. you know, you look at the pull of that. It's not doing too badly. It's true. But it, it is. It's, it's a good, it's a great book. It was one of those things where whenever I was reading metal, I was like, this is, this is, this is good. This is being in the Justice League. And then the No Justice arc sort of happened and the Justice League arc spun out of that. I went, yeah, fuck Justice League. I am reading this shit. It's cool. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a different level. <clears throat> it takes the the part of the DC universe that gave cult say darks mystical and runs with that instead of the superhero say that everybody else runs with yeah and it's a bit yeah these, are, these are the guys protecting you from the real horrors the, of the, the, the shit that you don't see because they're doing such a good job yeah it's it's taking the it's taking the characters you don't see often that you go oh there's the Phantom Stranger oh it's the Spectre oh it's Doctor Fate and making them characters that you recognise throughout the book issue 5 of Doctor Fate Issue 5. Oh, yes. I'll jump on board with that. I mean, Justice League Dark's had an interesting life because it was only three issues into a brand new relaunch and suddenly it was in a mini event with Wonder Woman. The biggest compliment I can give Justice League Dark um, is that when Wonder Woman was put into it, everybody looked at it and went, what? This is just, you're just shoehorning in a member of the Trinity. But Wonder Woman's word really suits the mystical side of the DC Universe. Mm -hmm. And she's be- she's sort of become sense. the MVP of it. Yeah, if you ask me, it always made sense. So that's the thing. Everybody's like, "Why is Wonder Woman in this?" Well, well they've certainly made it make sense over the past well, week. Like, yeah. Wonder yeah. Woman. I don't know if this is still canon. You could probably correct me. They're obvious, but Wonder Woman was made out of clay from Zeus. 
No, that's an E52 interpretation. Yeah, E52, and that's it? it's actually uh, it's the Brian Azrael Cliff Chang. That that that's it. that um, origin now applies to uh, uh, what do you call it, Troy? Um, Donna Troy. Donna Troy. Yeah. yeah. And Titan. Well, even after that, she's she is a mystical character because she's offspring of gods, mm-hmm. which deals with still mystical because there's magic. Constantine deals with the devil. There's satanic use of magic. It, it's all sort of connected, but nobody made that connection until they read it. And of course it has the other MVP, Keith's favourite character. It has Detective Jim. <laughs> the the world's greatest, world's detective. greatest detective, which was mentioned last week in the last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> he is the world's greatest detective and you need to catch up, Keith. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Yeah. He's a, he's a higher mammal than a bat. So <clears> yeah. uh, Justice League Dark is pretty it's, damn great. It, it's it's been it's it's been a great series and it's just getting better as it keeps going. Did someone did you say Constantine's in there as well? Constantine's no, in I'll there. Probably trade that. The I'll probably trade that. Constantine, Satana, Swamp Thing. My my worry um, about going into it was Constantine wasn't in it because of obviously Constantine being a big character in the fifty two run. Then they cancel them. Then they cancel them in rebirth, don't don't start. Um, Touchy moment because <laughs> he was a big character in the fifty two run. Then the previews for the rebirth started coming out, and Constantine was nowhere to be seen until the first issue. Then it seemed like he was just going to make a cameo in the first issue, but he's now a recurring character. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's as big as a, a a mainstay is as Man Bat, which is and you only need to read read issue strange. five to fall in love with Detective Chimp. That the first eight pages of it. The detective Jim. Well, he confused the hell out of me at the end of uh, Metal, so it ties in the Metal as well. Yeah. That's kind of what's great it's about this it. Is the only one that has. I know that they keep mentioning sort of the Source Wall and things like that, but it is Source Wall gets mentioned a lot in Justice League, yeah. a lot, a lot in Titans, um, a lot in Titans. But there's still ramifications from Metal. Yeah, it's definitely happened in the DC universe. So, um, but yeah, I think that's a great shout out as well for an ongoing series relaunch. Uh, number one from Kieran, which is Justice League Dark. Uh, first time he's ever mentioned it in this podcast. <laughs> uh, this, this podcast. Today. <laughs> How about you, Keith? Uh, so I'm going to stay dark. Uh, and I'm going to oh, say. Oh, you're just stay dark too, last week. Uh, no, uh, I'm going to say my best ongoing series relaunch number one uh, was uh, Mortal Hulk, number one mm. by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. Uh, fantastic series. Very good uh, shot. It has. It's going to disappoint folk who like the Hulk who like the movie Hulk who like the comic Hulk up until now uh, because it takes super heroics the super heroic Hulk away and makes it into a horror Hulk which is taking it back to to the roots to the uh, to the roots that that it started with back at the very very start you know back to the Kirby style you know Hulk um, so the, the the story I guess the gist is that um Bruce Banner had, under his own instruction, been killed by Hawkeye. So uh, he w- he had left Hawkeye with the instruction that if it looks like I have the propensity to turn into the Hulk again, please shoot this adamantium arrow that I am giving you through my brain. Uh, if you can do it on time, you'll kill me. And then there'll be no Hulk. And that was great. And they buried him. And he was dead. Is this part of the Immortal Hulk story then? No. Or is this, this part is of the pre- this was pre pre Immortal Hulk. So then Avengers New Surrender turned up last year, which was the was a ten part weekly Avengers story. Sixteen part. Sixteen part. You're exactly right. Uh, weekly story which just reimagined the Avengers, pulled the whole thing back together again. It was a great Avengers story that I wasn't looking forward to because it was weekly, <laughs> and turned out to be fantastic. Um, 
Al Ewing was one of the co-writers in that, and Hulk reappeared in that series. Uh, he was a game piece used by the Games Master uh, against the Avengers, and he was he was very much uh, savage. He, he came back again from the dead, and he was very much, he couldn't talk to him, but he had this intelligence about him as well. He wasn't just the savage, you know, Hulk smash Hulk. He had a, a sinister thinking calculating strategic Can he have Banner's full brain capacity no, as he's not Banner hmm. he's not no but you know what I mean his, oh, yeah, yeah, his smarts well yeah because we, we've had Professor Hulk you know who had Banner's smarts and Hulk's strength mm-hmm. we've had Joe Fixit who had a version of Banner's personality but a dark, but an edge to it that he became a, a gangster and enforcer for the Magia Magia um, he we've had Savage Hulk who you know, and this is somewhere between probably Joe Fixit and uh, the Savage Hulk because he's a he's just he's a horrible horrible individual as Hulk. Uh, so it's about that, and the other thing is he's dead. Uh, so we find out in the Immortal Hulk that Banner is dead and he cannot stay dead because whenever night falls, the Hulk reappears, and if he's dead or alive, he's resurrected as the Hulk. Mm. And then whenever the Hulk Hence disappears, that glorious cover of uh, uh, Alex Ross, yeah, climbing yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, uh, you know, so, so in the first issue, Banner shot in the head. You know, he comes back. It's a it's a robbery in a grocery store, and Banner shot in the head. Kind of, uh, it's a very. There's nothing nice about the issue. Nobody is saved. There's no hope. <laughs> there's there is no hope. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's really bleak. Yeah, it? it's really bleak. Yeah. And uh, and then night falls. And Banner wakes up, you know, Banner doesn't wake up, the Hulk wakes up in a body bag. And, you know, then he goes after the people that killed him. It's about revenge. Uh, and it's it's just dark. And he has this dark, calculating intelligence. It's about the duality. It's about what the Hulk was about at the start, about the monster inside us all. Only this monster is very, very literal. Um, it's a great <clears> book. It's fantastic. But it's horror. It's a horror book. And that's why it's called The Immortal Hulk rather than The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Because he cannot die. Uh, you know, and he, even whenever Banner is there, Joe Joe Bennett, as a penciler, again he can do that duality. You know, it's it's normal, it's everyday stuff. And the next minute, it's this body horror. The the way that, that Hulk turns into Banner turns into Hulk and Hulk turns back into Banner is more like something out of the thing. Yeah, it just looks painful. Carpenter than it is. You know, they're just bulking up. It's old. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's great stuff. Um. Uh, yeah so we're talking about the issue the first issue so yeah. I'm not going to go on to the rest of the series but it's great stuff it's fantastic and uh, yeah just, just looking forward to looking forward to the rest of it there's no there, I mean I suppose there is a, he's a nasty character there is a sympathy about how you feel about him because he's clearly certainly the banner side you know and yeah and the, the villain in the first issue yeah. Yeah. he's certainly conflicted but it's the most um, it's the most there's like it's hard to see the line between Banner and Hulk yeah. I find in, yeah. that, in yeah. the first one anyway yeah absolutely great great book great book yeah I mean even just the name of the uh, the first arc or is or is he both yeah. is he man yeah. is he monster yeah. or is he both well that's a play on that's the, that's a play on the very first storyline and yeah. in, in the Hulk which is exactly that yeah is he man or, and you know so that that plays off of that so he's, it's going back to the Hulk's roots yeah uh, this isn't a superhero book it's a horror yeah. book yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I've loved the Immortal Hulk myself as well. I put it in the top three of the the Marvel relaunches with number ones. Um, obviously, we've all thrown out, unless you want to throw in one as well, Vicky. Uh, ongoing series relaunch. So I would guess it is probably 
one that I've already mentioned. And it's oh, not Green Lantern. <laughs> Funny shit. But uh, yeah, just a, a, a quick honourable shout out, I would say as well, because I think it does deserve to be recognised, is Amazing Spider-Man number one. It absolutely does. I think anyone <laughs> taking over any writer who has defined the character for a decade and taken over it in a way that it didn't skip a beat is phenomenal. Yep. I think the book is humorous. I think the book is heroic. I think it's a perfect jumping on point for people if they've never read it before. It's a gorgeous looking book, again going back to Keith's Love of Invincible, the artist of that, Ryan Otley, came on. Uh, so although it didn't make any of our lists, you know, as the number one pick, I, I had to throw that there. Cause well, it was the number one issue, wasn't it, we were talking about? Yeah, well that's what I mean, as a series relaunch, it was uh-huh. fantastic. Well, it was really fantastic. Um, um, I'd also say Captain America was there, Venom was there for me. Yeah. Um, you know, Tiny Coates on Captain America, Donny Cates on Venom. Uh, those are oh, they're all fantastic <coughs> books, but that just that Immortal Hulk has just the number one was fantastic because it was so different. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Cool. Right. We'll do one more category and then we'll uh, take a quick break, uh, because although we can talk about anything for a long time, <laughs> I do think this one will be a quick one. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If we're still talking in twenty five minutes <laughs> time. Category eight, best cover. Uh, Immortal Hulk number one Alex Ross Immortal Hulk number so exactly one Bruce Banner raising out of the grave uh, gravestone in the background here lies Bruce Banner and not only that but the title the Immortal Hulk is being shifted aside by the fact that the Hulk is pushing himself out of this grave yeah. so he's, he's knocked about the title great attention to uh, detail the, there's, a, there's almost a horror Twilight zone Outer Limits 50s 60s style to it yeah. and Alex Ross is the God. Man. See, look how quickly we're getting through this. <laughs> Ronnie, best cover. Um, I'm going to go for Dead Man Wolverine number one by Greg Hildebrandt. So it's... Uh, Dead Man Logan? Dead Man Logan, my apologies. I wasn't sure, was that a return of Wolverine? Yeah, um, I think it's because I'm looking at Wolverine on the cover. I'm like, Wolverine. Uh, but it's basically Old Man Logan on the ground in the desert. He's got like a... I think it's a cow or buffalo skull beside him but in the sky is like the specter of wolverine so it's gorgeous colors greg hildebrandt's one of my absolutely fantastic uh fantasy and sci-fi artists so that's mine the the, the greg hildebrandt hmm. hildebrandt's the brothers their the brothers were they involved with uh like trading cards and i think yeah I think because so. if yeah. i recall back in like the 90s there were, I mean, there were Fleer did a did a, a bunch of series of trading cards, but there, there was a lot of Marvel Fleer trading mm-hmm. cards, and they were beautiful. Uh, the stuff they did. Magic the Gathering. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's a fairly. Uh, illustrated comics. Yeah, well, comics. Yeah, pretty I'm seen. pretty sure you're gonna find that's that because that art style and that you you just show me the picture. Of the and it looks very much like those cards, those Fleer cards, uh, the Hildebrandt brothers. So yeah, interesting. Be interesting. It's cool. interesting. Uh, with the uh, the dead man logo one Roddy's talking about. I captured a side on view of it when he was showing it to Kieran, <laughs> and I was convinced I knew what it was. It was fantastic. Four number one by Alex Ross. Same the colors scheme. are yeah. so similar, and that's with a beautiful that, cover. And, it and that's a also a beautiful number one, which I struggled not to put on my list. Um. Piggy, want to throw the best cover? Um, it has to be Saga 54 because the simplicity of it, it's, they wrote Saga on it 
but it was sort like, of faded. It faded out, like you could see the outline, but there was no color, yeah. and it was this really nice Deep red. red, and then a feather, and it was just that's all. It was just it goes with what the issue stands for, and just it was just probably I think that and. And ultimately, what that cover meant. Yeah, I, I, I can't think of any other issue that. The only other cover I was going to maybe suggest to you that I thought, because I thought it was a great cover, it's not my number one, but I thought it was a great cover, is Magic Order number five, where the guy has a wand to one side of his head and like blood coming out of the other. So it's yeah. like a very classic image of someone putting a gun to their head. But yeah. Because of obviously the magic part, I just thought that was a pretty cool cover. Yeah. Um, but no, um, just, I think because of what the issue meant and the depth of what the issue went into i just thought the simplicity of it the the wee feather and the colors didn't need any more no, no. Uh, that's that's pretty mine sometimes less is more absolutely um i'm gonna let kieran go before me <laughs> because we, worked out we both one. we both landed on the same cover and I know he would panic if I mentioned the first and asked him. I don't, know, I don't think I would panic anymore after talking about metal. I bet. We're going to have the same two, you know what I mean? Okay, I'll let you go first. You go first. Doomsday Clock issue three, cover B. So it's the, uh, it's the variant for Doomsday Clock, which all the variants have been pretty, pretty stunning. Pretty, pretty the thing is, th- this warrants a quick discussion because Doomsday Clock follows the same pattern of Watchmen. And the cover A is always the first panel yeah. of a comic book. So there might be a cover that looks a bit boring. It might be a smashing bottle, or it might be which is pretty dull. But then it might be an awesome close up of Babastus, yeah, which is amazing, yeah. But with the cover B's of Doomsday Clock, they've obviously got license to do whatever they want, and yeah. it's Gary Frank doing it as well. So it's it's same artist, but this this cover cover the cover uh, cover for issue three itself is Batman. It's, this was one that caught sort of caught my before the series of was coming out. It's Batman just sitting at a desk in the back cave holding Rorschach's journal, reading it. It's just, it's it's perfectly coloured, like it just, it, it gets like the darkness of the back cave, but it's just Batman just sort of reading Rorschach's journal, something you wouldn't see, yeah. you wouldn't expect to see anyway. It was and probably the first cover that properly mashed together the two worlds yeah. in a subtle way, because the cover for issue one the um the variant was Superman with Doctor Manhattan's head in the background, Batman. but that's very overt. That's yeah. very like here's Superman, here's Doctor Manhattan. This is what we're doing. Boom. Yeah. Issue two is variant was like Luther with Ozymandias. Yeah. You, you could see the gauntlet, but it was a bit. Uh, yeah, you would have to know if you were just showing that one picture of Lex Luthor, you would think it was just a random superhero with yeah. his hand on his shoulder. Whereas this was Whereas very this was the first one. This is what we're doing. We're doing a big here's the, Yeah, here's the DC universe. Here's the Watch Me universe. This is going to be in one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kieran and I both agreed on this. I mean, it, it probably would just nick it for me as Doomsday Clock number three variant. But I will throw out one more. That if I had said Doomsday Clock, he probably <laughs> yeah. said this. And this was uh, Metal number six, which the front cover is the exploding ball of flames with the Trinity riding on top of a Joker dragon. It was probably the most metal image of the whole yeah. series. Um, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, just great imagery, great capoe on artwork, duties. The fact that it was a foil cover as well yeah. just added that little bit extra to it. This um, um, this whole quite this whole sort of category itself was a pain because there was so many yeah. good covers for near enough every variant this year though. Yeah, more DC has been 
on point. Oh, big time. I mean, I would throw out honourable mentions for... I see it on my wall. John Romita Jr. variant for Nightwing 44. Run through the rain. You look at every single Matina variant for... um, for Batman, you look at like even Keith, like dark. I, I, I would even bring Keith in on this a little bit because with Keith, I mean his his pull list is always strictly cover A and that's it. He doesn't really care about the cover that much. But there were a few occasions this year where he would see a variant on all go. That's a nice cover. Take that. And you know what? For I'll the most part, for the most part, it ran to Nightwing and John Romita Junior. Yeah. If it was a if it's a JRJR variant, I would tend to. Yeah. I would tend to go there, uh, you know, uh, and there, there's a few that are just nice, uh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as you say, variants are not my bag. I consider them for the most part fairly cashy any sort of things, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of that. So I tend to go, uh, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know, a lot of cover A's are sometimes the nicest. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, some, some. I think it's a it's even a worthy discussion of just. You know, obviously Marvel have now done it with the Stanley Memoriam and DC. So they are the cover is. Oh no, absolutely! But this this is what I think variants should be with with what DC introduced during the year, and the Stanley ones just hammer this point home to me, is that you know the covers should be blank. These especially variants, you only do bad for the covers. So get rid of all the branding. Get rid of yeah. the yeah. You know, just this, put it in a small footnote. This is the problem I have with some of the variants like that. They just look like art prints. But that's like, a cheap art print. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you were buying it, say, like, you know, obviously everyone were sitting recording this in, you know, in my house, man and Vicky's house, and, you know, they're just surrounded by comic books and frames, and a majority of them are either issue ones or variants, because it is a cheap art print, yeah. you know? And it is, a, it is a great way to, you know, showcase those characters, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the story. But yeah, I agree with Keith. Sometimes cover A's can be better. Like yeah. the one that nearly snuck onto my list here was so close was Nightwing Fifty, mm-hmm. with the Nightwing scar so, on the side of the head, the bat shape scar. And exactly yeah, okay, in that yeah. in that shape, I thought that was a, a was great a image. Cover, yeah, yeah. So it almost snuck on there, but I do like what DC have done this year with the variants. I have to say because you do genuinely only bat for the cover, but. The example I was alluding back to with Keith was he will never buy like a variant as well as cover A, he'll just get it instead of. Yeah. Because it's the same story because that's the, the yeah. main point of interest. Yeah, there, there was one that I did like the look of was um, a few weeks back, I think it was October, I think DC did a foil month. Yeah. And it was Superman, I think. Is it Superman or Action 1000? It was Action Comics 1003 and it was Superman flying amongst the seagulls. Because yeah. it was just... It was in like the sky. It was a peaceful image. It was. Light. And it was just... I saw it and I just thought, that looks lovely. Just sort of simple. But, like, the... Like, having the blue of Superman coming up into the sky and yeah. then having the clouds around him and then the seagulls. I was like, it was such a lovely piece. And, like... For me to stand there and say that I looked at a DC cover was like, that looks lovely, and I would have that on my wall rather than sit there and read it because, like Alan says, it's a cheap print. Yeah. Like it's something to decorate our wall with because it's a nice piece. Like, like the. A lot of ours are Scotty Young variants for a start. Um, the, Batman variants for me. Yeah. <laughs> and then just a lot, then of, the, lot of cover ones. The Nightwing Forty Four. Um, 
the only reason why we've got it is because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I love the art style. And he's like, Alan was like, of course you do. It's John Romina Jr. And anything that he draws is, yeah, let's... Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think what John Romina Jr. does very well is characters who are uh, live, like yeah. like Nightwing yeah. and Spider-Man. And kick-ass. And kick-ass. He's, kick-ass you know, of, like, his, sometimes his bulky characters, you'll see him draw the Hulk is a weird one. Uh, at times but definitely there's characters who are a wee bit and he, even even whenever he was drawing Superman uh, in 52 yeah, he did new 52 uh, he was almost, he, he he makes Superman a slimmer character he's not quite as as bulky, bulky you know so he does that I think he does those he does it's those good arc that very underrated yeah. arc was Jeff Johns wrote it yeah and that's right it ended with, the, with discovering that Superman had the, the Nova blast yeah. thing that, yeah uh-huh. it's very underrated Johnny Storm's old power yeah, yeah. solar flare was it called yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. but again going back to what yeah Kieran said I mean this was a tough category because comic books by their nature the first thing we see is the cover yeah and mm-hmm. nine times out of t- it, you never really look at a comic book cover and go it's not very good is it you know what I mean even the <laughs> base level ones you sort of go yep looking forward to that looking forward to that mm-hmm. it's very rare that you would look at a cover and go it's, don't know about that. it comes down to the what artist do you like as well mm. like yeah. there's there's like the, the like there's there's Jim Lee covers there's even with touchy subject Batman 50 so I'm surprised you haven't picked a Batman 50 cover for your favourite cover or have you because you have all of them <laughs> Okay. Next category. Just, just, yeah. It, it, but this is it's it's one of those things where you pick your you pick your favorite artist, and there's your favorite cover. Yeah. Well, that's a fair enough point. The thing is, we're gonna. I'll just throw it quickly with Batman Fifty. I mean, obviously, as everyone knows, I'm a massive Batman fan. And Fifty was a landmark issue. And they had fifty covers. And I've collected a good twenty plus of them so far. Did um, they have fifty covers? Yep. Oh, I thought, Jesus, I was being facetious. <laughs> Some of them. He, he, he really needs an intervention with this. Alan does not need an intervention with this. I want to hit up the same head. He needs another 30 issues is what he needs. No, He's you don't. I want to Come on, tell me, tell me that the latest one I got is not it absolutely is. gorgeous. Nice Alex it's Ross. Alex Ross. Yeah. It's phenomenal. If only you just got that one. But then there's the Jim Lee one. Uh, and then there's the Francesco Martino one. Okay, and then there's the Del Otto one. And, you know. I could go on. But anyway. But he can only get the last 30 issues after he follows Grant Morrison up the hill holding his breath. <laughs> I would do that in a second. No problem. <laughs> cool. So, uh, believe it or not, that only brings us to the end of Category 8. Uh, so, but we will put a little break in. Oh, sorry, that was a quick one. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, was, was that was 13 minutes. Yeah. Do you know what really put us back? Was you starting to talk about trading cards. <laughs> Boom! I'm sure you know. We'll be back in a few. <laughs>